This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder James Boy came to give him life. The blackest wrestling podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in this on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation We got the power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Hey, folks. Welcome to One Nation Radio. I'm James Boyd. And here me, I have Rich Lotto. What's going on, man? Chilling, man. Just a uh, big week in wrestling, injury-wise. A lot of a lot of newsworthy stuff to to talk about. Uh, you know, just coming off this weekend and uh, last week NBA Finals games and all that. I'm ready to go, man. Yeah, I mean, we already just for everybody, let everyone know uh, we have already recorded about half of the show already. Did about an hour and a half with Rich and Jerry from Keeping the Strong Style. They kind of brought us up to speed for the year of of New Japan Pro Wrestling from after Wrestle Kingdom 2. Now, we talked about best super, all the way to Best Super Juniors, and then we talked about, uh, we actually previewed Dominion and talked a little bit about uh, what we think we would like to see, or what we think is going to happen on Forbidden Door uh, from the New Japan perspective of it. So, uh, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed Jeremy that. Jeremy and Josh. Yes, Jerry, Jeremy and Josh did the carry job, and I'm, I'm you know, with the announcement that there will be a joint show between New Japan and Stardom, I'm sure that I'll have to return a favor in November. In Rich, I was not joking. I, I need theme music. <laughs> I need theme music. I need to be played in. You know, I need, I, I need, I need horns. You know, like I said, something, 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 something anthemic, but you know, you know, simple at the same time. You know. So I'm thinking of like that nail tech from what Jack Harlow is like. We'll we'll get we'll get together and see what we come up with for this for this. Yeah, like you know, because that's in November, so you know that gives enough time to get the sound right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I want I want to hear I want to I want to make sure you know the kicks knocking the speakers. You know. Ah. Works for me. No, remember when Kanye was on, was on like what his fifth or sixth mix of uh stronger, of, uh, stronger, and he he had to bring in he had to bring in Timbaland to, to, to layer his drums for not it's, it's just like same thing like you know just just got to make sure the sound is you know yeah. it, it, it all comes together. But anyway, yeah. um yeah, so a lot of stuff like there's MJF, there's Cody, there is CM Punk, there's the AEW World Title picture, the interim World Title picture at this point. Lots of injuries as well. Adam Cole's out on a, uh, for a minute. Uh, Brian's out for a, for for a short minute as well. John Cena. Where do you want to start? Man, I think we should start with CM Punk. Um, okay. 
So CM Punk wins the AEW World Title. Uh, it comes out on uh, Dynamite. I believe he does like some type of stage dive again into the crowd, um, and he hurts his foot. Some people think it's a broken foot. I don't have the prognosis. CM Punk was, I think, intentionally vague um, with that. Um, he came out on Rampage and and cut a promo. Looks like he had tears in his eyes, like he was just heartbroken yeah. about uh, you know his situation. He announces and he doesn't vacate the title because the whole time I was like he didn't leave the belt in the ring, right? And um, he was saying he's out of action and you know he doesn't want to hold anyone up. And it was a whole thing to you know he cut a promo essentially saying he's kind of going away to get surgery. So when I think surgery, I'm thinking like at least three months. Um, maybe like if we're lucky, it's three months. Um, what incredible timing for all this! Like we had a Punk Tanahashi match that was set up, and yep. then that's gone yep. um, <laughs> from Forbidden Door, and then you know he, fresh off of winning the title, uh, it's thrown into chaos essentially. So like like. And, and I guess that's why Punk looked the way he looked in the ring. Um, you know, that or he did not look great. Yeah, the, uh, the what was that, Dynamite on, on Wednesday, yeah. yeah. Yeah, when he's out here, like, botching stuff over and over. The worst I've ever seen him look. Yeah, so um, it, was, uh, it was a whole thing, but uh, this is very unfortunate. Yes, yes it is. Um, like, I'm not as... I'm not as down as like the the identity crisis a lot of people think the companies are having or identity change or or like the or go moving on to to CM Punk as champion after you know the the high level of match rate that Omega and Page had it just be you know kind of returning back to what we had with the first two champions so that's not a problem for me like uh, you know if I so for so for me personally like it does stink and I thought that you know Bret Hart. Bret Hart uh, tributes uh, or not, I still thought he was putting together like solid ma- or you know very good to great matches like more times than not, um, especially throughout this year so far. So it stinks, and um, like I mean he's the biggest star in the company. Uh, we you know we were talking about this, um, or I was talking to this to you on on one of the shows a couple of last like two three weeks like. You know, we've seen no Cody, we've seen no Moxie, we've seen no Omega at times. We've never, you know, uh, we've never we've never had no Jericho, really. We've never had no CM Punk since CM Punk's been here. I think those are the two words, like, we can see, like, real damage if they're not around for long or whatever else. I think we could see that. But, we'll, you know, um, they'll come up with something. Like, they're headed I, towards our hot part of the year. Yeah, um, I, obviously, I was going to no, say I was, I was going to say, like, they're headed towards, like, a, they're kind of their bounce back. They won't be going against the playoffs right. for long. Right. They're going to go uh, against game three, which I believe is the only time they're against game three. So the rating will probably be a little hurt next or this coming week. But a after lot. that, it'll be hurt a lot. Yeah. After, after that, like, I don't think it's going to be as drastic as a, uh, uh, of a, um, you know, thing like without them like because they're naturally set to bounce back they've got a lot of their theme shows coming um well they have i think that yeah like you mentioned like that like they have blood and guts and then building towards forbidden door and blood and guts because that's like forbidden door is the week or the dynamite right after uh i'm sorry or blood and guts is like the dynamite right after forbidden door so like 
they have all that to build to. So big, two big shows build to like basically back to back. That like so you know how they build is going to be. They they got to hit it running because they only have like two weeks. So um, they have that in their favor definitely. So um, they. And, and this is a perfect opportunity. Lots of people to, can step up. This is a very deep roster. Um, and they are in a situation, I think, that is more favorable. We'll talk about WWE later um, with Cody, of course. But uh, we got the announcement of the uh, AW Interim World Championship Eliminator Series that throw, that threw people into massive confusion. Because um, I don't know if they have trouble reading the English language or... Um, anything like that but it seemed pretty simple to me <laughs> yes it, okay so i think i think what confused people was like punk is cutting this promo where now that was confusing right and so that's where so all that stuff springs from there right so from the perspective of all the i don't want to say misinformation but vagueness if you will right you have punk Saying he's get, saying that he uh, can't continue to wrestle, but also not saying that he the word relinquish or give up or keeping or interim. He's just saying like there's other guys that can carry the ball for while he's gone, and like you can you can hear the crowd like cheering boo like the information in a way to where like they're clearly don't comprehend what he's saying. Like to what extent it feels like they feel like. He's hurt, but he's going to continue to fight through it. But it's like, no, he's mm-hmm. hurting. He's going away, but he's not going away for long. So, like, the crowd is uh, is confused. And then as Punk is saying this, Jericho is keeps saying that he's relinquishing the belt. And I'm sitting there like, so I don't – Punk didn't say this. Yeah. Jericho the person that said this. So, I, you know, so then from that perspective, you then go to Twitter to feel like this isn't clear. Go to Twitter. Sean Rassap says – and this isn't his fault. He says that the that it's announced that they're relinquishing the title, which Jericho did fucking say that. All, and all the aggregators started like you know right. essentially printing their headlines because and, this was a story and, people and, knew kind of going into it. And then yes, the people were like, "He's hurt." So then, mm-hmm. and then like seconds later, you see Alvarez says the title's not relinquished. I'm like, "Well, what the fuck is Jericho talking about?" So. For me, Jericho I was later like, came out on Twitter and then cleared his mistakes up too. But so, at that time, it was very confusing, right? But like you know, that's the biggest draw of the show uh, at that point is what the hell's going on with the title? It, it's it seems ominous that he's doing this promo, and then you hear that, and then you hear like he's gone. Wait, no, it, it, then it gets a, a bit. It, it gets muddy. It just gets muddy, and then um, and then from there, like. We, you know, they 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 mentioned a tournament. They mentioned like they, they, the part that I knew was like, okay, so next week Dynamite will be a battle royal. I did not, I I just didn't pick up the part where like I knew he was gonna, I knew that the person who won the battle was gonna face Moxie. I didn't know they were gonna face Moxie in the main event of the show. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And then I think they said something about they may have. I don't know. Remember if they mentioned something about New Japan or not? So I don't think the they next, did. So then the next day. You you hear like okay, for imagine imagine a, a final four. One bracket is the AEW bracket. One one bracket is the is the New Japan bracket. And the New Japan bracket is Goto and Tanahashi at Dominion. And the US bracket, the uh, AEW bracket, it is Moxley versus the winner of the Battle Royal on um, in the opener of Dynamite. And I was like, okay, that makes all the sense in the world, but. That's not what we were all told. And obviously, <laughs> something, because obviously, you know, 
tying this in with a partnership with New Japan, and New Japan is literally like uh, uh, what fourteen hours in front of us, right? Time of the day, getting back. I wonder if we match if there was a match to offer to be into this tournament. Whether or not it was going to be a match where they just have the, the you know the battle royal winner versus Moxley on Forbidden Door or, or do you know, presumably Moxley versus Tanahashi for the world title interim world title at like it was all this stuff going back and forth and like some of it is you know some of it I can see where it was miscommunication but it was a bit it was a clusterfuck it was and like. The the news that uh, you know I almost said the news aggregators, but like the news people on Twitter did not help. <laughs> Specifically, it, it didn't help at all. It is, it is like you know, Tupac was sitting up there looking 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 up and like confusion. Exactly yes. what I wanted. Yes, yes, causing it. Um, so with this battle royal, um, there's a lot of people on the roster. Uh, Hangman Page is announced for a match against David Finley, so I don't think he'll be competing in it. Uh, I wouldn't put Hangman near the belt right now anyway. I would think that would be... He look like a lame duck. <laughs> he would look like a lame. Um, and then, you know, I, I I think this battle world is wide open. Like, anybody can win this shit. Like, you know, I don't think it's a case where um, that person is going to beat Moxley. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I... I like, Obviously, they, you know, gave Mox the buy. Uh, and I saw people getting, like, upset with, with like, the ranking system. Why doesn't Moxley have to compete? And then, you know, comparing it to, uh, like, saying, you know, the, the number two person, the number four person. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, bro. They just picked the, the first one. Like, I'm not about to hand ring over, like, the ratings that change every week. <laughs> you could also be like, does anybody have a better win in beating uh, Brian Danielson in 2022? No. Okay. Yeah. Um, like, right. Like, I who th- has I a better fig- win? Who has a better win than that? Is you know, like I that's figured, in the hunt. Right I figure now. it was real. MJF maybe beating MJF, MJF squashing MJF Warlow. with a Warlow maybe. Maybe that, but. I feel like it's as simple as this why Moxley isn't in the battle royal and he's ranked number one. One, he's a really big fucking star. Right. Two, he's on fucking fire. Three, right. he's on the hottest run of his career. Not 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 like of anything. On the low, he kind of it well like this I mean, entire 2000, year. Two thousand nineteen no, feels two thousand nineteen feels a little different because he felt like a t- he felt because this is doing a lot of utility work in ways that like if if that it, it Every, feels it feels different. It just it does bro, feel different. But I, I wouldn't disagree. Everywhere he goes, he's having, having great like, matches. He's four and three quarter matches, four and a half matches. Everywhere he goes, whether it's the Indies, whether it's New Japan, um, the whole thing with the Blackpool Combat Club, and there with mm-hmm. Danielson, he's on fire. He's undefeated. Like he's hot in a way where it's like, damn, crowds are back now. Maybe it's time to get his due to run that he should have had. Um, in 2020, mm-hmm. with the belt in front of fans, and would it be an interim title? You don't have to blow anybody's, you know, first big celebration with the belt. You can put it on Moxley. He's already won it before. It's an interim title, so we don't have to say, "Hey, just picking a, a, a name at random." Uh, Swerve, like Swerve, wins an interim title or whatever, and it's not like a real belt in some people's eyes or whatever, right? But if it's Moxley, it's like, all right, we can we can square that. I feel like like Moxley has a wrestler of the year resume right now, um, and I think I think he's been incredible. So I feel like you can the the battle world is wide open, but I feel like this is Mox's belt to lose at this point. 
and I think Goto getting a, a an opportunity kind of is a cool factoid. Always like Goto. He's a little bit uh, past, you know, the the point uh, of his peak, I would say. But he's very solid, and uh, I'm. I think that Goto's more than solid. Goto's a great wrestler. Yeah, like I would, I would take him in a heartbeat anywhere. Yeah. Um, so it adds, you know, a little bit more stakes to their Dominion match. You know, I'll, I'll be definitely checking that out. Yeah. Uh, I was going to watch Dominion anyway, but, you know, yeah. it's, yep. it's kind of it's a canon match. Yeah. Now. And Meltzer and, and Meltzer mentioned that, like. And well, it, I listened to uh, I was listening to Observer and he mentioned, like, that wasn't that wasn't on Dominion until like this is a recent thing. Like this is something I, I learned like since we recorded yesterday with Keep It Strong Without, so if I you know if I say something different later in the show, that's why the, the you know the the power of, of pre recording. But um yeah like so we'll we'll see like they're gonna have I feel like they're gonna have a kick ass match Goto and, and Tanahashi. Like I'm not I don't have the concerns that uh, that Josh has about Tanahashi or whatever else. Like I feel like he turns it on and he, when he needs to go back there he'll get it and. If if he hasn't had it this year, like now when he's come back to America, he's damn sure gonna get it. That's for sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think you know Tanahashi and like it's funny because like they always they were always angling at each other for the U.S. belt, and they were like, no, let's do some, let's do it for something bigger. <laughs> they figured yeah. out like they worked themselves into the, into the main event. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, um, yeah, but. Uh, from there, um, I guess moving on um, to MJF. MJF had quite a week <laughs> from uh, last weekend to double or nothing, and then this promo segment, and it was his version of the pipe bomb. Some people are saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the pipe bomb was way more impactful, personally. Yep. Um, I agree. I think with this style of promo, you need to be careful because you are, I think in his case, he's raising points. I think a lot of fans agree with. Um, And with this whole situation, I feel like it's solidly turned into a work at this point. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anybody's like, there are people I think that think MJF is like, on some Brian Pillman shit or whatever. I don't think that's the case. Um, but you got to be careful because like the whole thing with AEW has been, yo, you're, you're, you have been the babyface company, but you have this heel saying all this stuff that people are like, oh, I, th- I think he's got a point here. Like when he's talking about the ex WWE guys and the people cheer, uh, I'm getting paid, you know, com- would you treat me better if I was, I was from WWE and like, bro, like that shit, exists um within this like fan base where it's like yo like like who who else is going to be coming in here now like and that's like a lot of like what i what i felt like the split was with the hangman thing and then mjf being like this guy like i don't know if this is gonna like catapult him but it's certainly like it recovered everything he lost in by getting powerbomb ten times for Warlow and more. Warlow looked ice cold uh, Wednesday compared to MJF. Uh, there are people just texting my phone like about it that are very casual fans, like of uh, you know AEW as a whole and wrestling as a whole that are like just talking about want to know like what's going on with MJF, what I think about MJF, and I think this was it was a 
great promo. Like his his delivery, he's second to none. Like this is an all time guy. Like this is not potential anymore. This is not uh, someone that we need to look out for in two or three years. No, he's him now. Like, <laughs> and um, we we went into our extended thoughts kind of about his actual like gripes and contract situation, but this promo was. Uh, they, they got to be careful with that work shoe stuff just because like of the of the actual reputation of the company and then you start you know like i've got his transcript here um and he's he's doing some of the the cornet talking points he starts talking about uh the stuff where you know wrestlers are untrained and um you know uh, some of the stuff with mjf you know he's saying it's all friends wrestling but you know he's doing heel stuff where he ignores that he was also somebody that benefited from you know being uh, associated with you know uh, higher people higher on the card than him um he were you know basically he t- took fans to task about calling him un- unprofessional and all this other stuff and he calls the fans marks and uh talking about uh, their opinions like the worth of them it was funny i i got a kick out of this because mjf liked one of my tweets last week um <laughs> <laughs> that he seemed to agree with because you know i was like hey man they need to pay pay the man he said he doesn't pretend to watch new japan he doesn't dump their opponents on their head he's not reckless he's not chasing star ratings he's going like all all there or whatever um he's the he says the best guy because he makes people feel things that sounded very cody-ish um i i seem to recall in the cody and kenny omega feud uh where he said uh that was a direct Cody line. He said, you know, uh, name a match of Kenny's that uh, made you feel something that wasn't against Okada. Like, it was like one of those uh, lines. So he, I think he took that directly from him. He starts talking about being the second biggest minute-by-minute draw in the company, which is information that we normally don't get access to, so who knows. Um, he said he's hoarding all the money so he can give it to new ex-WWE guys that he keeps bringing in, and then like when the next match, like, John Morrison is fighting Miro. It's like, uh. <laughs> um, he's talking about people. Everyone can't lace his boots. Essentially, um, he calls Tony a fucking mark, uh, and he calls him a piece of shit. Like he's basically asking to be fired. He doesn't want to wait till 2024. It's like uh, going out uncensored over international television. It's getting censored here uh, in America. This was. It was a lot, and I didn't see this thing live. It was as it was happening. I caught it after everyone was saying, "Yeah, it was like he was like turning face." I didn't get that vibe at all after I watched it. Well, I think I think to a certain sect of fans, who was turning face when he said the stuff about like uh, about the you know these WWE guys can't lace my boots. Mm-hmm. I think that was a part. I think that's a part of it for you know the for the sect of fan that like for like you know. <laughs> <laughs> like in, in, in like certain threads we have on Facebook Messenger, like there are certain ones that be like they don't like this change. What's up, Sam? <laughs> so, so like, uh, it, like there there was a group of people that were like, you know, they don't like the they they watched like the first three years of the promotion and they like liked the people that were showcased and they don't want anything to change as if like you could get by running that stuff, it you know forever and it's like no like you have to have people come in and change up the top of the card that have fresh matches otherwise you're gonna run out of stories to tell or stories to tell with the same people so um so for me like yeah 
I, I, I see why a lot of people gravitated to that and thought, like, oh, maybe he is turning face. And also, the crowd was eating it up. So, like, that along with with the reaction, it's like, well, maybe he is turning face. Maybe, you know, and then you think of, you know, the when you think of the pipe bomb, you think of, like, he said a lot of shit that was, uh, he said a lot of shit that was, like, negative towards the company he was working for. That what made him the, the, you know, that's what made people like him so much. And, like, the thing for me was, like, when people compared the, do the comparison, obviously, to the pipe bomb was me for, like, when people say it, I was like, yeah, I can see why people say that, because, like, he's saying a lot of things that's behind the scenes that have been brought to the forefront, and it's interesting. Now, as far as, like, uh, you know, impact or level of, uh, of oomph when it, of, uh, you know, force when it hits you, I'm sorry, like, you calling Tony Khan a fucking mark, to me, does not hit me on the same way that maybe WWE would be better if this man was dead. I- I'm sorry, that it doesn't hit the same way to me. <laughs> so, um, like, I, th- I thought it was great. I, you know, if you want to compare it to the pipe bomb, I'll still take the pipe bomb, because he obviously, he obviously has, like, you know, the their first type of thing as well. And also, like... Uh, when you, for me personally, like I'm not watching any wrestling show for someone to work me that what I'm watching is happening also back behind stage. I don't care if you guys hate each other. I don't care if you really, if you guys actually really like each other either that, that much either. Like, give me something where I can escape from, you know, watching the news and fake fight each other. So, um, I I get I get why people like that stuff. Don't get me wrong. There is at times uh, when I'm in the mood for that sort that stuff. It didn't hit me at that particular time, particularly around the MJF thing when he's talking about like, "How dare you fans say I'm unprofessional when I stiffed you guys out on a meet and greet?" Like, okay, bro. Like, I I, I get it. You're a bad guy. Jesus Christ. Um. So for so for me, it was like I was just like a lot of things were like I checked out on it, but while like I mostly checked out while recognizing like this was great work. It just wasn't for me. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was excellently executed right. <laughs> to, to, to turn a phrase here. But um, it's just I don't. I don't know how to take it. It's like, all right, well. And I'm also trying to figure when, like to what when end are you is wrestling? It, like, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, like like to what end is it? Like, what does this accomplish for you? Like, does this mean you're gonna cra- be a some type of party crasher for? this stuff potentially you know like what does this mean like who do you wrestle do you wrestle tony khan do you wrestle you know do you wrestle charles barkley like what 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 like, where, where are we going Khan's now not an on-screen character and i don't yeah. believe he has any desire to be one nor do i so. want to see one nor do i want to see him on screen other than you know say here's the next show guys and then leave <laughs> So it's I don't know it's it's I think it's a lot to uh, to digest and the the only things that we can think of I think pushes us into the realm of fantasy booking right yeah and it's like okay um, they've they've yanked his merch they've mm-hmm. uh, they didn't put out any video of it mm-hmm. awesome on them for doing that too really worked the angle there because uh, at least this is the the creative branch for us here. If they were, you know, the failures of the summer of punk and, you know, the fallout of the pipe bomb, they cannot make those mistakes. Like they could hold MJF off on, you know, a little bit longer. They can right. either they can send him other places in because secret. Because it's MJF in AEW and he don't wrestle that much to begin with. Correct. 
So it's like, okay, MJF's not wrestling this week. Oh, like most of the other weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is man so, even wrestled once a month? No. Right. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, he's a really big star. I think uh, people are going to see him in a different light following this. And maybe that's just the goal is like, hey, I'm trying to we're going to take him from one level to another level here. Uh, um, I always figured the big, you know, con of this whole 2024 thing was going to be MJF turns babyface essentially by staying in AEW. And it's like, you know, I was never going to leave or whatever and all this other stuff. But um, could that still be the thing? It could be. Uh, but he's hitting on something like with the with the ex WWE guys and all that. Like that's that's brewing. Like there's a there's a big storyline to be had. There's a bunch of stuff to be done there. Rich, has MJF had fifty matches in AEW? I would say no. Forty nine. <laughs> Look at that. It's three years. Speaking of <laughs> matches, um, in like a certain time period, we're gonna get to that later because there's a lot. To go on with uh with with Cody here, um, but I don't. Uh, Sam said, "What's the equivalent to him losing to Triple H in this situation?" I think him losing at all, like he uh, doesn't, like he doesn't even have to wrestle. Losing this Triple H in that case, what would it be? Uh I don't know. That's a good question. I don't really know. Um. Because if I remember correctly, he came back too early to do SummerSlam. He beat or he won at SummerSlam because Kevin Nash came out right and attacked. Uh, no, no, that was after the match. Wasn't there inter? Yeah, after the match. Wasn't there inter? No, 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 no. I don't remember what it was. Cena foot was on a rope and then Triple H didn't see it. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, proto Osprey stuff. But uh. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, I, I didn't mention it later in the show. Like the, the whole thing with Will Osprey is just an excuse that this man could do a bunch of whole bunch of jobs for this year, like yep. at the top of the car. <laughs> yep, jobbing without jobbing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, this thing like they have to be careful with this stuff. But um, if anybody's gonna pull this stuff off, I think it's gonna be them. Uh, but I don't know. Like it's I, I don't I, know I, where it goes. I just hope that this has become a th- uh, obviously I think just like a status quo change. As far as like the changing of what MGF normally does, but like I hope this doesn't become a thing where like it turns into like WCW was, you know, regardless of what they tell you about what Eric Bischoff was doing with casual fans and all this kind of stuff, he was having motherfuckers come out here and talk about shit that was in the Observer every, like once a month, like Eddie Guerrero and in, in, in the you know in, in scissors or coffee I'm sorry uh, Sid and scissors Eddie Guerrero and coffee with Bischoff and all the other shit so like you know and this is a rag sheet brother so like when so yeah. when people say that so like I just don't want it to devolve too far into like the well in more more than just uh, Meltzer like the way Keller gossipy things of this happening backstage it seeps into the front. So like it, this is I, fucking weird, by the way, too, with that with that stuff. I'm like, so this promotion that's been going on for like three years at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Notoriously, nothing comes out yep. really interesting at all. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, all these motherfuckers want to talk now. What is what has changed? <laughs> like like what is what has happened here? I, I, apparently, Kitty Omega was like Bill Watts was fighting folk. <laughs> 
You know, look, Bill. I bring my dog back. Bill, Bill Watts, Kagetsu, Kenny Omega, Taskmasters, Taskmasters. I said Taskmasters, Taskmasters. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just think. Uh, well, when Kenny comes back, you can heat that storyline up. Yeah, I, you know, you know MJF hitting on. Yeah, I, I think I, you know. I think a lot, most of this stuff is really the the MJF thing, whatever. And it's interesting that like you know when it's one thing or it's the first time it happens. It's interesting, like I just don't know if I want to see this happen like a, more times or regularly in the future than a, being a, uh, a a function of the programming. Like it's cool as a as one time anomaly anomalous thing, but like once it starts to become like you know a feature instead of a, a bug, if you will, I, I don't know if I would like this as much week to week. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess. Uh, do we have anything else on MJF you wanted to say, or we can move on? I, I don't. I don't have any anything else on MJF, okay. but it's a situation to watch because there's something there. Like there's a fire brewing right now. Um, Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. That was the main event last night um, with the uh, Hell in a Cell pay per view. Yep. Uh, there is a lot I think about this uh, whole situation. So in the interest of being fair to the listener who my responsibility is to i'm just going to give it to you everything that i think about this or whatever because there there's a situation with the you know the injury the match um the politics behind this whole thing the the comparisons like what you know he was doing in aw uh before that what this does for him in storyline out of storyline um the type of injury it is. So I, so he has a torn pectoral muscle. Um, people are thinking he's out six months, puts him right in line to come back. We'll get to that a little bit later. But um, when I hear pectoral tear in wrestling, historically, this is a steroid injury. Um, and I don't care whether Cody does steroids or not. I don't care whether any wrestler does steroids or not. Personally, that's their choice. That's their prerogative or whatever. But it is interesting. James brought up the the matches for MJF uh, earlier. 49. Cody was on that same schedule pretty much over over the last couple of years. Uh, very light schedule. Maybe like 13 matches in a, in a given year. Things like that. I think, then, it was, I think it was more than MJF was, though. I think it's just slightly. So, like, I, I would challenge you okay. to look that up. Like, maybe okay. maybe in the 50s. Um, but with him, like, you know, that that is a steroid injury. You think about Triple H. You think about John Cena. John Cena's thing is notoriously that he's clean. I don't know how much stock to put in that. But that's just historically what it is. When we see quads or pecs. Uh, and I was just like, you know, I, I looked at Cody when he faced Sammy Guevara in that ladder match, I looked at him at WrestleMania and I looked at him yesterday or, you know, before this show and he, he's noticeably bigger. Um, I would say not, he's not like, you know, it's not like night and day or anything, but it's like, all right, maybe he was what, you know, maybe he was like two fifteen in AW. Maybe he's like two two thirty two two twenty eight. Or something. And he's just a little bit more cock diesel, whatever, which is cool, whatever. 
um, because obviously, you know, WWE is the size promotion. And then, you know, you started thinking about jumping back into uh, that grind, essentially, of, you know, <laughs> wrestling Seth Rollins on 20 house shows, essentially. Um, he supposedly got injured in that brawl um, with a partial torn pec, and then he tore the shit off the bone in a gym where he was lifting afterwards. So um, it is, you know, a lot to think about. When you think about the pressure that was on him, people were wondering why he did this. Uh, because it was like, wow, you're real. Like, this isn't working. I'll talk about it later. Like, this isn't just working through uh, being hurt. This is an injury. Like, this is, th- these are two totally different things, right? Um this is Cody's first ever pay-per-view main event, I believe, as a single. Ever. In WWE, yeah. Ever. Like, like it, or, you know, anything not Ring of Honor, like, or whatever. He never did an AW. I don't think he was going to miss this, obviously, for any reason. Um, you think about where they were at. They were in Chicago. Cody's had lots of big moments in Chicago over the you know past couple of years. Um, that was the main event of the show. There wasn't a whole else, lot else on that show. And this is this bizarre pressure that I think guys feel and Cody's no, no different here where he wants to live up to that. Like he was like, yo, we're the main event for this. And like, we're going to do it. And they had a sold out audience and they're not selling out like that in every city. It's not a guarantee. Like they're fighting uphill in Chicago. So also like his face is all over the poster, like his face is on like the the uh, commemorative ch- uh, folding chairs at, at ringside and all that. Like this was like about him finally right. in that way right. in WWE. And um, I think, you know, depending on we, we've seen Vince look at different guys getting hurt. And for some guys, it doesn't matter. You're still his guy. Right. And then other people, it's like, well, can't ever trust that motherfucker again. So if he didn't make this match, who knows what side of the fence he would end up on. Now that he did make this match again, who knows what side of the fence he's on with Vince still. Right. But I would think that he had to have bought himself something. Um, And ironically, I think accidentally it is the best thing to happen to him going forward. Because after the Seth Rollins program that was done, he beat Seth Rollins with one arm. LOL, Seth Rollins, Um, (laughs) you know, come out here and do all this cap. And I have a question for your ardent, hardcore WWE fan that actually bought into all the stuff Seth Rollins was talking about. Um, And then watching Cody come in from AEW, beat that man three times in a row on pay-per-view. I just want to know, like D'Angelo, how does it feel? Um, they, (laughs) but back to the part about it being the best thing to happen to him, they don't get like, chances are they fuck it up anyway. Right. That's just, just what it is. Right. But you delay that you don't have to wrestle through SummerSlam season where you're still not anywhere near the belt. You don't avoid football season. You don't have to go through football season and the ratings at, at any point. You get to be looked at as a savior come, you know, when, when it comes back around for January and the Royal Rumble and you're instantly programmed in. Like you kept this 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 program with Seth Rollins, which I would put as a 100 percent success. Like for Cody, if you're looking at it right, you walk in, you live up to the billing. You have this awesome feud with Seth. There were 
small things I didn't like about it. But overall, like this is probably the best booked and executed thing out of WWE I can think of for a very long time. Right. Oh, the main roster. I mean, yes. Uh, <laughs> maybe AJ, maybe AJ's first like seven months in the company. Maybe. Maybe. Like go from Jericho to Reigns to Cena. Maybe. Maybe. Um, and I know people are like, probably, you know, if, if you're hearing this and you're like, what about Roman Reigns and the, the never ending title reign? I, I, like, I guess that guess thing guess. lost steam like a year ago. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Else. Yeah. yeah. And I, I did also like, um, I think there's also, maybe you could say something for like, maybe Rollins, maybe, you know, on purpose playing stuff like, Maybe you could say something about like Seth Rollins in 2018 from the gauntlet to when the IC belt, maybe. But it's been mm-hmm. you know, with you know, it's been so few and far between. And then immediately they were like, "Yeah, let's let's put him with Bray Wyatt." Yeah, <laughs> boy. But um, he avoids all that. He comes back in. It's possibly a savior next year when it's actually time to like make the money or whatever. And then if you're looking at it, you got to put him with Roman Reigns. Um, once you once you get past all that and. He skirts around a lot of it. This is a Jeff Jarrett like win. Like <laughs> this, this is this is this is genius in a way. He gets he get, he gets his big salary. Um, he gets his young daughter. He still gets to hang out with. He goes home for six months. You can only hope that they don't fuck it up where they're doing like um, these satellites with Cody or whatever, um, and you know, and make people sick of them or whatever. Because I think you know, James, there were two wrestlers that we said would be main eventers in WWE about 10 years ago. One of them, we still get, got correct. Like, like he's, I think he's made now. Is uh, what, is basically what I'm saying in WWE, he's made. Yeah, I think, I think he definitely gets fossil points for that, where, you know, or becomes one of the guy gets in the inner circle of guys that Vince trusts at the top of the card. You know, like when you have like Orton and Roman and AJ and uh, Danielson when he was around, still. Um, yeah, he, he, he. I think this definitely vaults him into that category. Like, because I mean, it was. I I haven't seen the match, but like looking at the pictures, uh, like I'm glad you watched the match because like for me, oh, when we you gonna get into that for a second. Yeah. Or okay. Well, we'll I'm, let me get out of the way. Let me yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. Continue with your thoughts. Yeah, so like, well, I want to get to take one more detour, uh, detour because some of that seeped into the discourse yesterday. Of course, we had um, we had a lot of fan, fans of Japanese wrestling that were upset with Dave talking about it being one of the most compelling matches in history. They were like, oh, are you going to not rate this one because it's so dangerous? And because uh, obviously this is dangerous. Like, and it is funny. Like, you know, WWE does tout itself as the safe company. Uh, their fans tout themselves as, you know, this is the safe promotion. These are where, you know, it, the wrestlers don't get hurt. They don't allow, you know, these things, but they allow this thing, which is a fair point. I feel like, um, like people were upset, like, Hey Dave, you need to uh, not rate this one. Like you didn't rate Naito and Ibushi, um, <laughs> from 2019. Um, then I saw people that, that were wishing that people would keep the same energy with, uh, we, they didn't hear people protesting that Kenny Omega shouldn't wrestle, um, while he was working through all his injuries, um, over the past, you know, couple, couple years and all that. But, I think those are unfair comparisons to both of them. Um, Like with Kenny, in a sense, he was also trying to 
hold something together, like being a long running angle that he was paying off at the end of it. And then if he gets worked on at any point before that and the promotion, he was the one constant that had never gone away at that point up until he dropped the belt. If he's not around and gets fixed and he's taking this amount of time off within that three year period, maybe this is a different promotion today. Who knows? But the the thing with Kenny was he I feel like there's a difference between hurt and injured and he pretty much could still do his level of performance still, you know, and the the, the vertigo stuff like that's stuff that doesn't go away. Like it's like you would, you're asking him to basically retire from wrestling. Um, and I think in Cody's case, this wasn't a case of where he's aware of all these injuries like, yo, I'm coming in here and I'm fucked up, but like I'm about to soldier on or whatever. This was like a, he had a week or less uh, to make this decision. Right. And then think about all the stuff we talked about before the pressure that he was under. I feel like that's it's a, almost an insult to both of them to try to like pit them against each other like this. Like, I feel like these are two totally different scenarios with guys that are um, that have like, you know, they have their own view. They're both tough as hell for one. And they're both like, um, like in, I think completely different situations. Like Kenny's not having to prove himself. Like he's, he's doing something else. Cody's like in a, almost in a prove it situation still, I think in WWE. Um, they're, they both have pressure, but the pressures are different. Like Cody is pressured to get to the mountaintop, whereas Omega is is pressured towards like, if this shit goes down, what happens to like me and my friends? Um, I I, I and so also like nobody I'm, knew how bad it was until it was done. Like, <laughs> like we didn't hear uh, all the constant complaining. Like, the only thing we would say, oh, yeah, man, he's like, he's cupping, he's doing all this other stuff. But nobody knew these rest through a hernia vertigo for years. Like, yeah. nobody knew this stuff. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, everybody knew the Cody thing. Like, like that's th- why the reactions were different. I yeah. Think. Like, thinking about the Omega interview about talking about all his injuries, um, go, just thinking about going, just in my mind going over. Like, I remember him talking about how uh, Okada hit with a drop kick and then he. Okada landed on him after because you know Okada goes like 15 feet in the air and then falls down on you uh falls down he had fallen down on Okada's on Omega's head and Omega uh said he woke up next day and had you know whatever and then I think that was when he had to go do the Naito uh the final right so um G1 final that's when he was like oh shit like the room spinning but I don't recall him saying that like it's the same level of you know of it's the same level of of jarring at as like at, at all times if it modulates or whatever else. He just says he still has it, which is like, I mean, everybody bouts of vertigo is different, right? Like, it, 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 with stress or whatever else, he can act in different ways. Like, so I don't know if his room's always spinning on him. He didn't really say it in that way, or he said the room spins, but it's not. Sometimes he can manage it. Sometimes he can't. Um, so whatever. Uh, so. I, I, I get why people are saying it's dangerous because obviously it is. It's like you wouldn't let someone. You wouldn't let someone. I wouldn't. If I had vertical, I wouldn't get behind a wheel and drive, right? Um, but we look at Cody's situation. The Cody situation is seemingly a pain tolerance thing, right? And um, I gotta say, there's a guy that wears a lot of red, white, blue, and gold. Working WWE, we've seen dudes 
They have all types of torn muscle it, in uh, situations in WWE. Uh, get on one of get you know get them an ox or get them a perk and then and then handle it and then go from there. I'm not saying that shit wasn't super painful. There's a reason why you take those opioids to begin with. Uh, but um, he soldiered through the best way he knew how, and uh, most you can do is commend him for it. Would you want all your wrestlers to do that? No, because that that'd be dumb. But put in, in that situation, he decided to, to go for it, and he and he came through successful. So all I can do is salute him for it. Um, yeah. So. As far as the match, like um, I now I think this is a masterclass in, you know, <laughs> like this is one thing. Also, it what also helps Cody is I don't know why people keep missing this. The same thing when he got strapped by MJF and Wardlow, he's anemic. Everything on him looks worse than it actually is. Not to say that a torn pick isn't some big fucking deal. Nah. You go out there and tore, tear peck uh, tomorrow and see if your ass ain't in the ER. Yeah. And like see if he, your ass ain't getting reconstructive surgery and all that kind of stuff and your hospital bills are through the roof. No, it's a serious thing. Uh, he is lucky He is lucky to be in a position to where he can take care of it and if it need be, he can take his ass to Birmingham and get his, and get his shit done by someone like Dr. James Andrews and do all the rehab and all that kind of stuff. And it was interesting thinking about it for me was like, see, this is why you don't leave AEW if need be. Or lucky, you know, WWE covers all the nurses bill, but like wrestlers bills when they're still in the company. But like, I was thinking to myself, like, can you imagine like having, having health insurance and then you leave, and then you leave health insurance to, and then you tear up that schedule. Like, luckily, Cody's like I said, Cody's in a position that he's in. He's he's fortunate, all that kind of stuff. He's with a company that if he does, if something like this is gonna happen, Vince and them are gonna take care of that. So he ain't got to worry about that. But not everybody is not everybody leaves a is gonna leave AEW and go to WWE. And and that's the part that where he's like, dude, that would suck if you were a weekend warrior. And you tell mm-hmm. me, like, bro, can you imagine if Tom Lotto tore a peck? How fucking awful that would be, bro. Or like, like when Dan Housen broke his leg uh, at, at, in the last year. Dickinson that sucks. with the hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and the match itself, like, it was a masterclass in like uh, subverting expectations, like as mm-hmm. far as with danger. And um, I think Rollins did a great job, like as far as. The, doing stuff like putting Cody on the table and making you think he was about to get splashed through the table, but Cody rolls off the table. Uh, different things like just working creative situations just to not avoid it, but protect him, essentially. And this thing was very dramatic. It was like the crowd was totally into it. Uh, I can't recommend watching the match enough. Um, I'm not like I am. I know some people are probably listening to this and be like, hey, has Rich been killed and cloned? But <laughs> like my thing is I'm always like I'm not a fan of Cody like as a wrestler, but I'm going to be fair as I see it with him. Um, this was like a this is a performance, I think, that is going to buy him a lot of toughness points, if nothing else. Right. And For someone that already kind of already has that with the flaming table. And people all, compare and all, that and, stuff you know, too, yeah. And, you know, thumbtacks and all the other crazy shit he's done over the last, you know, three years or so to get people to love him. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, the, the thing about Cody and WWE is, like, this is the environment where he can do it. Like, he wasn't supposed to be the man elsewhere. 
he was supposed to be the man here. Like we saw this years ago and it just didn't work for whatever reason. Uh, so one nation radio always ahead. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I highly re- recommend the match just to check it out. Like, I don't think like at times it's slow and they're, they're like um, kind of milking it. I, obviously like Cody, like go, go milk that shit. If there could be a more dramatic motherfucker, I don't know who it would be um, that would, that would get as much as they can out of it. Um, and I think that, uh, that like I don't think like I, I joked about Rollins like losing and being hurt like I don't think he's really hurt by this I think mm-hmm. he actually earned himself a lot in yeah. this too I think um, I think uh, Cody cut a promo on Raw and Rollins beat him up with a sledgehammer or beat him down with a sledgehammer so he got a little bit of heat back well you, you know whatever he Rollins is a made man whatever he does yeah so um but yeah I would I would highly recommend you guys check this out just to look at the like when the crowd when he pulls the jacket off and he has the fucking you know the arm and everything like that purple keep in mind everything that i've said about this like is this probably a steroid injury possibly right but it almost doesn't matter like just (laughs) like when you when you look at it look at what happened like and and watch him watch him tough it out like two minutes into the match he does a fucking cody cutter off the fucking second rope directly on the shit and i'm like this nigga's crazy, like, for one. like, mm-hmm. And I think, that, you know, people have to remember wrestlers are not, like, they're, wrestlers are humans, right? I don't want to fuck that up, right? But they have different pain tolerances than everyone else. Um, this is totally Cody's decision. I don't think this is a thing where WWE was like, hey, you need to get your ass in there, or whatever. But could they have like kind of just looked the other way possibly i you know i think that's in play here uh especially with a guy that's as we mentioned all over the posters this is their big main event for this town they have a fucking depleted roster as it is uh if it was a one one night situation can you go i yeah, you know and, this guy was always gonna go right and and you know when people talk this is one thing I don't like, right? When people talk about football or talk about pro wrestling and talk about, you know, the difference between injured and hurt, and it's like, well, I get what you're trying to say, but people are still fucking working injured. I don't know what the hell y'all are talking about. Uh, like, you know, whether it was, you know, you hear all the all these things from different people, all these weird nicks and, nicks and scrapes from their encounters and stuff and, and things not properly healing because they're still doing this, whatever else. And, like, you think about, like, that time that Roman Reigns missed in 2014 that Tanya was talking about on Twitter where he's like, when he had the sports hernia, he was poking, pushing his intestines back in before he finally got it taken care of because they had gotten that far gone. You think of like uh, 2018, I think, AJ Styles had a partially torn hamstring and wrestled on it all year. Like, there's stuff like that that just comes up. Like, look at, look at Omega just beat the shit. Um, and, that, and like, at the top level... Osprey beat the shit the last two years. Obushi beat the shit. Like it's a uh, that you're going to be beat up. Like how, what Tanahashi wrestled on a on that torn uh, was biceps for how many how long how many months? Long time. Yeah, yeah. So like that's 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 just what it is. Uh, or I don't say this what it is, but like that's a part of this and that's a part of it of what of what the the greats that the ones that are really driven push themselves through and um there's always gonna be a part of that, any you know physical anything with physical contact this is, Sam, this is what matt is. jackson had a bad back for years <laughs> yes 
Yeah, I guess you can put an A there too. You gonna throw a Bob? You gonna throw a Bob Orton in in the arm too? Uh, so in the cast, but uh, yeah, just uh, that's you're there's, there's gonna be people that's gonna be beat up and injured and 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 hurting all the time and like you know like we've cleaned some of this stuff up with with uh with the drug use whatever else. Uh, but like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be naive. I don't think any, either one of us would be naive enough to pretend like, oh, that's completely gone or whatever else. Like there's a cost to this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's all I really got on it, but great match. Check it out. Uh, definitely. Like, I think you gotta like kind of give both of these guys their props on this one. And, um, you know, I don't think it was like some work rate classic or anything, but it was like, yo, this is this is different. Like this, this felt like real in a way well, that, it, yeah, a lot of matches in WWE don't like. They don't carry the the weight this felt like it had on it because it felt like Cody was like trans was breaking out of this shell that he that he was put in because it, it's been weird just watching him back in that environment, right? Mm-hmm. But he was it almost like he broke a shell to where it's like he's ascended upon like being like this interloper. Uh, that's back in WWE. It's like, oh, okay, this is like, this can all be his now. Like, this is like, like you know, unlike you know, WrestleMania was like, oh, okay, cool, they had a good match, and then you know, the match after that they did was, was really good actually. But then this one, it was like, oh, they didn't beat him the third time. They they've done a lot of good protection for him. He's gonna be gone. No, they have no tendency. They have no temptation to do anything stupid. This, this is a fucking layup. Now, do they want the layup? That is always the question. Yeah, yeah. Like it is, it, you know, thinking about like what Cody, uh, Cody and that gruesome looking injury. He looked like you know, his skin basically turned into jelly. Um, it made me think of like the Kyrie quote when after she you know whooped um Amasaki's ass on pay per view last week where she's like. That's right. Pro wrestling hurts. Like, uh, like you you collect all of your frustration and your pain, and like you give that out to the people, and like that's why they cheer for you. That's what makes pro wrestling good. And it's like they definitely played on that. Like that's the reason why. Like obviously, like the injury made it to where it's like, oh, this is real, and like that's what you want in wrestling. Like you wanted to at least be believable to enough where they can. Sp- like the, the the more you get to believe, the easier it is for the, it can suspend their disbelief, and you can take them on the ride, right? Like that's why that's why MJF obviously he knows this, he's, but he's saying this in character. That's why MJF like made that knock, but like the reason why Japanese wrestlers stiff each other is to get you to believe that it's physical, and someone's getting their ass whooped in the ring, or anyone like Walter Walter hits you like that to get people to be like, oh shit, like that's really painful. That's not just. You know, that's not just, you know, Memphis punch is painful. That's really painful. <laughs> yeah. But um, I guess uh, we can get ready to throw it to Jeremy and Josh. All right. Um, so, wow. We really did a show in like an hour. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you know what? Um, you know, Actually, no, no, no. Young Bucks and, and Illusion Bros. Part four. Let's let's, let's talk about what? that a little bit. I let's, forgot about that, yeah, James. Yeah, how how gonna, could I forget? How are you gonna forget about, about like probably you know maybe the best I, match of the week? Yes, like a match that I put five of them things up for. <laughs> five of them things <laughs> up for this match, bro. <laughs> these motherfuckers. So this, you know, when Jade 
uh, notices some some fuckery going on. And Mostly when Tony Con- or Tony Schiavone is talking. Yep. Usually mm-hmm. it'll be like you know she'll come out here and say cut this shit. Mm-hmm. The Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks. Uh, essentially, they saw it a little the, the FTR little tour that been going on the last couple months, and they came out here and said, "Cut the shit." The real is back, as like J Cole would 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 also say. Um, this crowd was like, this was the Young Bucks hometown. It was eight miles from their house. Um, I'm sure the the Lucha Bros also you know have lots of uh, history in Southern California as well through PWG, PWG and yep. everything else like that. This was like Reseda come come to life times two. This was just electric. Sixteen minutes. I was in awe. I was amazed. I was watching these two teams like the greatest tag team rivalry resumes tonight, and it did. Like <laughs> this is like like I don't want to hear anybody in the conversation with these guys at all. I don't want to hear it. I'm not interested in, in, in the trolling. I'm not interested in the, uh, you know, the ass whooping shit like that, that people claim they, they need to see. Like, I'm sorry. Look at that fucking crowd. I'm sorry. Like, like, like this is, these are human highlight reels that are just that masters of the craft supreme match layout um and insane chemistry with brothers and then we know what it is when the younger brothers go at it we know what it is when the older brothers go at it mm-hmm. like these guys like it's the greatest match in rampage history um huh. and i and i think like you know the young bucks and the lucha bros it's just like they're not neither team is a champion right now and it seems like the bucks have snapped out of the funk like they were it was like they did their last job to matt hardy and jeff hardy um you know sunday or whatever and then they roll in get the win in the 10-man tag um pinning the the champions and then uh here they get a win against the lucha bros and they're probably right back into position but like (laughs) you, you gotta feel for for jurassic express at this point it's like uh you know you had a couple months uh, you know, to do your thing. Also, don't forget, like the Bucks were in their 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 match at Revolution as well. But it's just like, yo, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I don't know how many more of those we're gonna get because the Bucks are carrying high miles too. Since mm-hmm. we're in this, um, you know, th- this whole thing about injuries and you know age and stuff like that, like. I think Matt Jackson's like 36 now, maybe 30. Yeah, I think he's 36. Nick's like 30. But you never know when, when you know, it could be the end of the road. Phoenix uh, or Pentagon's a little bit older. Phoenix is still, you know, youthful. But this is the greatest tag team rivalry there is. Like, <laughs> midnight rock and roll, I don't care what you want to name. These guys are doing it in ladder matches, cage matches, regular rules matches, um, can they like? I want them to do mass versus hair in Mexico one day. Like that's what I want to, to, to this. And then like the Bucks cut their hair in Mexico. Well, I mean, once you do hair versus mass, you, 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 you look at Nick. You already know what's going. You know it's finna go down. Oh uh, yeah, but uh, like I think that would be great. Like and the, and the Bucks all yeah. What there and there brings out the Bucks hitting at retiring pretty often. They do. Mm, I didn't know that, but 
I, I, so, this match was fucking phenomenal. This is, <laughs> like, it's one of, like, the thing for me was the craze about it was like, I was like, this is like their fourth, this is like their clear cut fourth best match they've had in AEW out of the four that they've had in AEW. Four and three quarters. <laughs> who, who says shit like that? Who does shit like that? They're, they're so fucking good, bro. And like, Phoenix, man, like, out of this world, man. Just out of this world, wrestler. Um, yeah, I, I you, you, you said, you said most of all I would have said, but like, yeah, it was just awesome. Just awesome to see. Like, they're always, they always do this. And like, I mean, quite frankly, we talk about like the, you say who else can do this? Like, you gotta start pulling, you gotta start like combing over and start thinking like the whole entire world to think of people. Like, I, I, like, I guess you'd be like Velocity versus Ozzy Open. That's like, that's, that's about it. And that's a 40, and those are like 30, 40 minute matches, not no 15 minute match, right? You know, like. Bro, they, they were heating this shit up and it was like, boom, 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 boom. Like, like, like you start thinking <laughs> of tag teams that can do this, like, they can do this at this level with either one of them, right? They even get to, they just like have matches that they just knock out, bang out like that. You'd be like, okay, so. Um, teams that are together, you'd be like, okay, um, off the top of my head, I'm thinking just like, okay, Mustache Mountain, if you pull them out of cobwebs. Um, 2017 Mustache Mountain. I don't know if you've seen what Trent Seven looks like lately. Nah. Not, no. Not no more. Not okay. no more. Okay. Okay. Uh, withdrawn. But, uh, withdrawn. withdrawn. But I'm just thinking of like the teams would be like Velocities, Ozzy Open, and then uh, you start you start looking around. It's like Jungle Bull Luchasaurus can't do this. Like, uh, you know, whatever teammate you can get out of pack. But that's just Lucha, that's just Lucha Bros again. Um, I think top flight. But Dante, you know, we gotta we gotta see what Dante looks like uh, coming back from this injury. And obviously, he you know had another setback. Um, and I think they've they've got a while to go before their peak form. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I think I think that if you put the Young Bucks in the ring with Swerve and, and Keith Lee, they could they could do something replicable, uh, just because mm-hmm. of the level of individual talents. But um, that remains to be seen. Um, so like, it's it's really interesting. It's really interesting to see like what like what the rest of the world has to offer in the tag team division. This up to, up the part of like, you know, that that force them together when they get together. Like, I, I think it's wild, like, how great they are. It's, they just, like, and even FTR, who, you know, by, you know, I guess you say they're the third best tag team in the world. Like, you put them in there with the, with the, with the Young Bucks. You, I'm sorry, you put them in there with the Young Bucks, you put them in there with Lucha Bros. Like, we've had one match that's ever been, like, on par with this stuff. When FTR gets involved. Like it's, it's it's not just talent, it's chemistry, it's f- the familiarity, and then like it is the just the creativity that flows with all four of them, and like that easy story of like older brother, younger brother that they put in the through line of all their matches that always come to the forefront. Like so, when people talk about like their storytelling and their lack of storytelling, it's like they're not telling the story that you're, they're not telling story in the traditional sense, and, mo- and a lot of times they do. So mm-hmm. like, it's it's like, look, just say you don't like them doing all the kickouts and the flip stuff or whatever else, and you you don't prefer the style of wrestling. Like, but to say like fundamentally they, they're they're bad storytellers, nah, just no. <laughs> it's the same thing when people talk about Osprey and his is like stories. Like what? 
nah. Like you're operating off of old data. Like you are like to me is like you you're like the person generation that was like saying that Ric Flair couldn't you know had no psychology or Harley Race had no psychology or or our Mexican brothers didn't have any psychology, which also is rooted in racism, but never mind it. <laughs> it's just, it's, I don't know, man. Like, obviously you have your taste, stick to it. But like, I think some of the stuff where it's like, well, what about you say they don't have, they don't do this, but they do. And I'm pointing at it is like, I don't know, man. I don't know. This is another rivalry. Just like, I mean, we're, we might as well. I, I, this isn't on the format sheet, but it's going to be the four-year anniversary of Okada Omega Four uh, in three days. Mm. But this is another tag team that, or another group pairing that I want a DVD when the, and uh, they won't have this format by the time these guys lay it down. But mm-hmm. I want all four of them to sit down and explain the rivalry and, and talk about what what went into all the matches and everything, and sit down together when they're like old or whatever and, and tell us tell us the magic like we saw the magic in the match but i want to know the other side of it like talk about how, how y'all will damn near willing to die for each other in this damn ring like and just just to see it but like <sighs> excellence like yeah. excellence like yeah. with these guys like i mean the crazy part about it is like that's the second or third best, or not, for me, I, I you know, given off the rep, like that's the third best tag team match of the year. That's crazy. It's up there, like, <laughs> like the one you know, like obviously the FTR in in Bucks, FTR in the um, Briscoes, in Briscoes, and then you have this match. Like, they'll, uh, off the top of my head, like from, from what I hear from you know word of mouth and buzz, like those would be the three that come to mind for this year so far. So. Like some we're in some high level tag matches. Yeah, man. Um, and, and James, uh, you said some uh, in an audio message that I kind of like was like, "Damn, this 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 guy is sick." But like, this shit might be real. I don't recall what she said, <sighs> man. Like, cause he said like the the Bucks down cycling and oh you know. yeah 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 yeah. So I was saying like, okay, so FTR. Um, like, you know, this is their year. Young Bucks have been downcycled, like they're downcycling now, so they'll come back eventually in like a year, 18 months or whatever. But like FTR, let's put it to forefront at the start of the year. Uh, Ring of Honor tag champions, uh, AAA tag champions, that even though they haven't really done much defending with the AAA tag champions, but they still have or titles, but they still have them. And then they had that match with the Briscoes, and they also had that match with the Young Bucks in, qu- in quick order with them. And you're just like, well, this is their year to win, you know, tag team of the year. And then you look around, and it's like, okay, so the Young Bucks had that match with, um, I've had some. I had a few matches with like Adam Cole, I think, or at least had some with like, uh, let's say, Unspeeded Elite, right? Um, to kill some time. They also had the, that match uh, at Revolution that was one of the best tag matches of the year, that triple threat or the triangle tag match um, with uh, Jurassic Express and uh, Undisputed Elite. They had the, the same match that FTR was in, and they have this match. And like, you look at it just because, like, recency bias and also with like uh exposure and it's like way more people saw the ftr young bucks match than that trip than that pay-per-view 
Briscoe's FTR match. Like, so, like, if the year were to end, like, if the voting were to end, like, right now, there's a good chance that, like, <laughs> Young Bucks the still Bucks win still tag team of the year if this one was in right now, still in the observer. And I, it is over and I think that's just fucking hilarious. Like, like, oh, that's a nice match. How many people bought that? How many people bought that shit? 5,000? Neat. 10,000? Neat. Oh, man. Oh, if that happened. thousand people watch the other match? Okay. I wonder Look, who's going to vote for that one instead. If the Bucks come out here and speed run this shit the next six months. They gotta rename the award. Fucking hilarious. Like we were saying last year, they gotta rename the award. Stop playing with them. Like I think FTR is still going to win those the the world the AW world tag title world tag title. So like it'll be I think it's a moot point mute point. But um, is it mute or moot? I don't want to pull the Joey Tribbiani and be like it's a moot point. Moot cow. Yeah, moot point. Yeah. So like I think that like. They're going to win because they're going to win the AEW tag title second time, so that'll be their year, whatever else. But I think, like, right now, given, like, you know, down cycle, you, you're like, where are they? And it's like, you know where they are. <laughs> like, they're, they're, like, they're in the closing stretch on Sunday, like, they Tiger Woods at a major. Like, they're trying to close this bitch out if they want to. They're, you know, we'll see. You know, and it is like, it's funny because, like, they had the mercies like FTRs at the mercy of the bookers and EVPs. If F- if eight, <laughs> if the young bucks want those belts, they'll have those belts. Hey, remember <laughs> when Nas got signed to Def Jam by oh, Jay Z? Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's, that's what we're employees. working with here. These boys are employees. Get out there and entertain. <laughs> you know, until we're ready. <laughs> Warm it up for us. <laughs> Yeah, they they got it. We'll see, because like the young bucks for the rest of the year, they're always gonna be a pay per view. They're always gonna be some feature match. They're gonna have their matches, and then like you know, we're, we're gonna see how much longer that Bret Hart shit gonna last for people. Yep. Start, you know, be people like, start right, catching enough, on enough. So we'll see. Cause I, look, cause I'll tell you, I'm ready. Look, I know you. Well, you was ready after like the second match, so like, know. bro, like they coming out here with these sons of Bret shirts on, like. Nah, man. Or Sons of the Hitman shirt, whatever the fuck they was wearing. Like, nah, man. Putting yourself on. Like, I hope Brett uh, making some money off that shirt. You know, <laughs> we have Brett out here like Kota Ibushi. You know, oh, like, hold on. Man. Where's my merch money? Oh, man. Do we need to talk about that in passing? Ooh, like, Ibushi. I guess, yeah. Obari and uh, the Kikuchi dude, they all t- they're all taking 10% pay cuts for like the next three months. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it's interesting. Like, and I was saying, I was telling, saying to you, like, if I was a bar, I'd be heated. I have nothing to do with this shit. This like merch money fuck around thing happened before I even got the job. Cause, uh, and, and now I'm losing, and I'm getting a pay cut. That's bullshit. It, 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 like, and it, it made me think of like what happened with Stardom after Yoshiko broke Axe uh, face, where like. Fuka and Rossi and Anai all took 30% pay cuts for like, I think three months as well. And it's like, if you're Rossi, it's like, I ain't got, all I do is book these matches and finish. I had no idea somebody was going to order a fucking hit on somebody and someone's going to end up with a broken face. This is bullshit. But I got to do what I got to do to keep the, the company afloat because we just disgraced ourselves in Cork and all. Right. And like, if you're Obari, you just like, so 
this dude's fucking around with, with our number three star, and our number three star is now, you know, mentioning, is saying Yakuza out loud. It's like, this is my fault. Okay, all right, whatever. This is bullshit. <laughs> I hate my job. <laughs> oh, man. But oh, yeah, yeah I, man. I think that's it for yeah, that's uh, be this it. week. Let's, yeah, let's, so, throw, let's throw it to uh, the other section. Yeah, so we're going to throw it to uh, uh, keeping a strong style, filling us in on uh, the first half of the year of New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, <laughs> break down a little bit of uh, their thoughts on Best Super Juniors, uh, talk about uh, the Dominion card coming up this weekend, and also their thoughts on our, all of our thoughts on um, New Japan's role in parts of Forbidden Door. <laughs> Hey, y'all, here's our section talking about WWE Hell in a Cell. With Rich Lotta, I have Jeremy Donovan and Josh Smith, and their looks on their face, they feel like they've been ambushed. They do not realize I'm fucking with them. Of course, we're not talking about WWE Hell in a Cell. Are you kidding me? No. No. We're, we're talking about what we agreed to talk about. I can talk about Cody Rhodes? No. Former, this, for, former New Japan star. This is not the face of a man that's been... You know, bamboozled. This is the face of a man that's no selling that shit. I know we're not talking about hell in a cell on my time. I did not turn out an hour of my time to talk about hell in a cell and the Fed. The face that Rich made. He really thought I had I had double crossed like, him. He's like, wait, I'm about to get out of here. I'm about to do this. I'll turn this shit off. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, we have the guys from Keep It a Strong Style in. Um, I was thinking to myself, like, wow, man, like, we have, me and Rich have talked almost nothing about New Japan except for, like, the things outside of the ring, mostly, like, the Ibushi things going on. And um, I figured, like, at some point, like, I plan on watching G1 this year. I plan on watching Dominion this year. I had planned on watching Best Super Juniors. It didn't happen, but I planned on it. But uh, I, what I wanted to do was, because I'm so out of the loop, I wanted to uh, kind of bring uh, the guys on and kind of have like discussions we have when we have Floyd or or Tanya on, where they basically fill us in on what the hell's going on uh, with the promotion. That kind of fill us in, fill some gaps in, so we can have some contest clues to go, going forward, and we will also have things to look back on to go back and and, uh, and go back and look on. So, uh, you guys. As you mentioned uh, before we started recording this, you guys always do your wrestler of the month. You always have your match of the month, and you figure you will use that as a kind of like a guiding line, a guiding line to send us where we're going to go through these, uh, be, you know, close to first six months of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling's year. So, um, where would you guys like to start? Well, so do we want to start with January or just go, uh, start with sure. February? Sure. Sure. All right, so we start off with January. Obviously, uh, Wrestle Kingdom uh, 16 was the you know the big show kick off the calendar year for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, so this will start with the uh, match of the month from January was Kazuchika Okada versus Will Ospreay from Night Two of Wrestle Kingdom 16. Hey, I saw um, that one. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's this ongoing story that they've been telling of Osprey's quest to beat Okada in the Dome uh, failed yet again. Eventually, one day it's going to happen. It's going to be a big deal, but it didn't happen on this night. And of course, it's a part of the whole, you know, double gold dash. Everybody has a belt. There's two fake belts. <laughs> uh, 
uh, we got all that uh, cleared up. And then uh, for the wrestler of the month, we went with Kazuchika Okada. Uh, I mean, he had two, you know, depending on your ratings, five near five-star matches back-to-back. He wrestled Chingo on night one, then Osprey on night two. Two incredible matchups. And so that's why we gave Okada the January wrestler of the month. Yeah, I, I, I saw those two, and I agree with it. Like, I, I thought that, for me, still to this day, I, my match of the year would be Okada and Osprey. I thought the match was sensational. Like, the only thing that holds that match back from being, like, beyond a match of the year contender, but, like, an all-match of the one of the matches of the decades would kind of probably be the crowd because that match is incredible. And the only thing I, I see is like holding it back is like not hearing like the crowd lose their collective shits for, you know, stuff like Osprey doing the moonsault off of, uh, you know, the gigantic prop, uh, setup thing. So yeah, I, I'm with you and, you know, it playing off of, you know, the Shibata story playing off of the, even though the Omega story with Okada, I thought was fan- sensational. And, you know, that was kind of my sentiment at the end of it. Um, at the end, thinking like they're gonna have another match, and when Osprey finally gonna is, finally beats him in the dome, it's gonna be like <laughs> it's gonna be a match of the decade. So, so yeah, that that's yeah. if he still works for this company before another company comes and snatches him up. That is, or if he breaks his neck, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but coming out of uh the January events, you know, the next tour was the golden series tour, which kind of went on and on and on for a while, but um, culminated on a two night event on the 15th and 16th of February. Um, The big match that kind well, the two big matches that were kind of, um, you know, highlighted during that tour were the U S title. Actually, I said the 15th and the 16th. That's incorrect. Uh, February 20th and 19th. Um, Okada ended up defending the title against Naito. Um, you know, so we kind of got a reprisal of that feud. Uh, that was the main event of the second night. Very, very, very good match. That'd be the first of three matches that we would see between those guys throughout Mm -hmm. the calendar year. Um, but the night prior was probably the better show. And that's where we got Sonata defeating Tanahashi for his first major singles title win for the U S title. Um, we did end up naming him the wrestler of the month that month because in addition to winning that title in what was probably a career match for the guy, he also pretty much won every single match, every tag match that he was on and had great showings throughout the, the month as well. February was somewhat of a down month because that Golden Series tour just went on and on and on and on. It, it, so basically it didn't have like the same feeling as like a usual new beginnings type of thing. Not at all. Mm, no, it was okay. very long because you were kind of combining that time period of when you would normally run Fantastica Mania yep. along with when you would normally run New Beginning. So you just had this long stretch from you know, the middle of January all the way till the end of February where it was just show after show after show. Uh, so, the match. Oh, so my sorry, question for the- you now that we're, you know, it's been a few years of this. Like, how much do you think, how much do you feel like New Japan's, like, you know, schedule has, like, been sorely missing Gaijins in more particular like the Luchadors for stuff like Fantastica Mania for stuff like Best of the Super Juniors well normally you know that uh, Fantastica Mania is a really good buffer between the you know exhausting and arduous task of like putting on the the dome shows and then Mm -hmm. you know coming back for the February tour but you know, with that being gone, they've kind of had to find inventive new ways to bridge that gap, and it's not been easy for them. And then 
you know, um, ha not having those luchadors for the various junior tours has also been uh, up until this year, you know, uh, a big goal for them. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously missing the foreigners was a big hit to a lot of these tours. But I think another issue is the fact that in the pandemic, they lost a lot of money in those few months that they were shut down. And then obviously right. the limited capacity. So in order for them to try and get some money back, they are trying to do as many shows as possible. And we heard at like the end of last year, like there was like, I guess there was like a gold number of just number of tickets they need to sell. They don't care how many shows they need to do. They need to hit this golden number of tickets being sold. You can, it sounds you can like a, I was say it sounds like a baseball team that's deciding to do like double headers <laughs> on, on like you know bat to bat weekends. They're doing both days double headers to, to like kind of just make up tickets and games and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, pretty much that's what it is. And so you can see the schedule. Like you're, we're getting all these shows. You're getting more televised shows. You're getting more corkins. You're getting more shows. They're just trying to recoup money right now. Yeah, majorly. Um, the match of the month was that aforementioned Okada Naito match, which, in my opinion, was maybe the standout match they had of their trilogy this year as well. So, okay. yeah, I love I love that Okada Naito match. I think I went four and three quarters on it, or four and a half, can't remember. Uh, but it was a really great matchup. I mean, again, probably the only thing that would have made it better would have been a, a cheering crowd. Um, just one of those matches that kind of came so early in the year. I mean, Josh and I are pretty much predicting that Okada's probably going to run with the belt for the remainder of the year, but still facing off Naito so early in the year and that spot was kind of a change up in what they normally do. It felt like it, you could have done a quick change to Naito and switch it back to Okada, but also they, they kept it with Okada. That was still a kind of a great big first like tile defense there on um, the beginning of the year. So heading into March, um, you know, that's kind of the period where obviously New Japan comes around the corner, but it always uh -huh. starts off with the anniversary show yeah. um, last year. And I, actually, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before the anniversary show got canceled. Uh, um, two, 2020. Um, okay. Right? No, no, yeah. no. Yeah, wait. Yeah, because we didn't get a match. Yeah, it was going to be Nights on a Roma and again it's canceled. I feel like yeah. we might have had issues with it last year when there was also, uh, I, I can't recall, but either way, uh, we had what felt like for the first time a, a proper anniversary show. Um, nothing major there except for there was a, a really fun um, generational aces versus generational dark aces six-man tag match at the top that Dave gave three and three quarters. So, you know, that was something worth checking out. But the highlight of the March season was the New Japan Cup, which, you know, um, was kind of interesting because they had the largest field they've ever had before. Well, real quick, Josh, like aces versus dark aces. Are you going to tell us the six members of the match? I just figured we were doing the quick over overview. So, uh, yeah, it was Tanahashi and um, <laughs> uh, Tanahashi, Okada, and Fujinami versus Zack Sabre Jr., Minoru Suzuki, and um, uh, who was the other guy? Uh, Fujiwara. Y yeah, Yoshiaki yeah. Fujiwara. Okay. And, um, you know, so you had, like, you know, four old guys and then two young guys all kind of <laughs> – Mixing it up. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was uh, pretty cool. I mean, we're in the 50th year of New Japan, so we've been seeing names like Fujinami and Fujiwara and some of the, the legends of New Japan uh, come in and be a part of the show. And then, I'll say moving on from that anniversary show, we had the 
um, New Japan Cup and one of the the largest New Japan Cup um, brackets, I guess, ever. Um, it, this thing was probably sixty four people, sixty four, yeah. right? No, it's forty eight. Oh, forty, yeah, forty eight, yeah. That's okay, up, yeah, yeah, because they, they did a couple of people that had That's to right. drop out, so it ended up being less than that even. Okay. Yeah, Kogabushi, he was scheduled to be in it, but ended up getting injured. Uh, well, this was still injured from dislocating uh, his shoulder from the G1 finals. Uh, Tenzon. Yeah, Tenzon had to get pulled out. So people got some first round buys. But yeah, this was a huge tournament. And essentially, just adding on a first round of kind of fluff. Like you had guys getting buys who shouldn't have gotten by in the first round was just <laughs> was just kind of it was kind of a, a slog to get through until you got to like the second round which is the was like the real first round where you got some upset and surprises and kind it's of like a tennis and, tournament <laughs> well what was interesting with it was like typically with the new japan cup you usually have a lot of big stars and then a lot of you know mid-card guys and there's usually some surprise upsets and you don't end up with all the stars at the end you end up with a pretty good variety and mix when it comes down to like final eight this year was like the only year that in the history of the tournament where every single match for the first three rounds the stars were just cleaning up which wasn't overly exciting and had some decent matches but then once you got those final 16 guys then you're like oh snap there's 16 guys here and they're all big names they're all big stars and now, you know, who who can and might win this has become a lot more precarious and harder to predict, essentially. Um, and it did turn into a pretty good tournament from there. But like the first three rounds were, you know, not great. So it was kind of a trade off there. Yeah. Like when Josh mentioned, when you got down to those finals, we got a lot of big names and you get down to our final four on the left side. We had Okada and Naito, which was the second match in their series, which, is, again, is another. A uh, big matchup to have in the middle of the March, in the middle. Of, normally, you wouldn't see an Okada Naito, and if you do see something like that, it's usually in the first round, so you can do some kind of uh, first round upset. Um, so we had that match, and Naito got his win back there, and then we had uh, Saber and Shingo on the other side, with uh, Saber being Shingo giving us our finals of uh, Saber and Naito. And once again, Zack Sabre Jr. was able to win the New Japan Cup, and that gave him the win for our March Wrestler of the Month because he was just having great match after great match all throughout the tournament. Um, and then you get down to those last few matches he was having. Uh, they were just awesome. And then the Shingo match. I uh, mean, Shingo have been having this, this incredible rivalry that started at the end of last year. Um, and so just having another great match up there. And then... Yeah, Saber and Okada. Or excuse me, Saber and Naito. Yeah. How so, would you guys kind of compare the um Saber's win in 2022 to like his one in 2018 as far as like what it did for him? Um, so this was booked very similarly in the fact that he kind of, you know, went through a, a host of killers and a host of big names to really solidify himself. Um, so there are a lot of parallels, but the other thing is that at this point, he's an established guy. Back then, that 2018 time, that was like a breakout. So it was a little different. It was sort of like the reemergence of Zack Sabre as a mm-hmm. viable challenger. Um, but 
he's on a much higher level performance wise and even just from an entertainment standpoint than he was even back then. Um, to kind of give you an idea, he went through Oiwa, Doki, Z- uh, Will Osprey, which was our match of the month. And if you haven't seen it, a highly recommended match. Uh, yes, I was going to ask you about the finish of that match. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that. And then okay. Shingo Takagi. And then in the finals, he defeated Naito. And he submitted everybody in that tournament except for Naito, who he beat with the, the Zack driver. So, you know, it really kind of like made you be like, wow, not only did he win this tournament, but he like swept through, you know, three like basically ace level guys, former champions, and, um, you know, did it in style, essentially. Like it made him look like he was the best wrestler in the world, essentially. Yeah, and I think, too, um, this time around, it, it was almost a little bit more believable that he could win the, the world title. Like, the first yeah. time first time around, like this new foreigner kind of coming in on the scene, like, just kind of said, like, oh, it's kind of the, you know, flavor of the month for Okada to defeat. This time around, with this year being so predictable and the schedule kind of being not quite what it normally is, um, this this defense for Sabre here, it made it seem like, again, kind of similar to the Naito defense at Golden Series, like, oh, Saber could actually beat Okada here, and it could always flip the back the belt back later. But it definitely felt like Saber had a really good chance of winning the title here. Yeah. So with Osprey um, during that match with Zack Saber Jr., there was um, basically uh, a controversy as to whether or not he actually tapped out to the finish of the match, and um, kind of resulted in uh, controversy. Uh, coming out of that match and all throughout the year, this would kind of continue to be a storyline for Zack Sabre Jr. He's had a slew of major matches where if he lost, he lost in some sort of controversial fashion. Um, Me and Will. Oh yeah. I I apologize. Will. I I always do that. I figured I always do that because they're both British and you know, they're (laughs) contemporaries. I don't know why guys. Yeah. Um, (laughs) They'll look just alike. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, but that's kind of been one of the major overarching stories in New Japan this year is Will Ospreay being a top guy, but being at the mercies of bad calls from referees or perceived bad calls. And, you know, he's claiming that there's a conspiracy afoot and, you know, that the IWGP and the management, they, they're they not wanting him to represent the company. And it's even he even alludes that it goes back further to when he had to, like, drop the belt when... He was forced to vacate, but John Moxley was allowed to hold on to the title for a prolonged period of time without defending. So uh, it mm. actually has been one of the, you know, more um, involved stories that are going. If you guys hear screaming in the back, there is a NHL, you know, uh, conference game on. My girlfriend's, you know, listening. You know, she's a she's a big fan. So just want to throw that out there. So. <laughs> So basically, what you're saying is Osprey cribbed off the real life goings on of Kota Ibushi and decided to put it to the forefront for a story. You know, I don't know if uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm not serious at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that Ibushi stuff was out there yet. <laughs> like, 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 no, like he's backstage. He's like, he's hearing all this shit with Ibushi is going on. He's like, what if I were to make it seem <laughs> as if the IWGP is is out to get me? Maybe the International Wrestling Grand Prix was out to get me. That I could do all these screwy finishes, and then lo and behold, Bushi was like, hey man, Yakuza. And so now it's like, 
it's happening behind the scenes. It's happening in storyline too with different people. You know, Osprey. Osprey might be might be more of a mastermind than you think. Maybe I doubt it. I'm just fucking with y'all, but yeah. Um, so going naturally when you have Osprey win the New Japan Cup, you go to the the match uh, for the title, and I, I've heard different Same things work. about this match. But what was your opinion on the match? So that would be the Hyper Battle Tour. That was a main event at April 9th in Ryugoku. And that show overall has been one of the better shows this year, probably a show of the year candidate. Um, I loved that main event. Uh, Jeremy, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I love the Okada Saber main event also. Um, like I said, it was kind of like you're just kind of on, on the edge of your seat because you just didn't know what direction they were going to go in. They're going to keep going with Okada or they're going to finally give Saber this win because. Saber had been building momentum going back to the G1 where he beat Shingo in G1 and he had the title match with Shingo uh, at the end of the year and I think it was Power Struggle in November. And so they kind of elevated Saber up to like, all right, like he's challenging, like he could actually win this thing. And so uh, I thought it was, you know, Saber and Okada, they have really good chemistry together and I thought it was an awesome uh, main event for that show. Yeah, agreed. I, I don't want to wax poetic for too long about that match, but I thought it was essentially a, a almost perfectly wrestled match. I don't know if I have it in me to give it that extra bump to like say five-star status, but it, it really wasn't far off of that. I mean, even on cage match, they've got it still at 8.81. So it's one of the best matches of this year easily. Yeah. It's just the people like I've heard your, your talk thoughts on it before, but like I've also felt people like, it feels like a four and three star, three four and three quarter star match. People either give five stars or give four and a half, and not many people are actually giving it like that meet in the middle thing. So I was wondering, like, what you know, kind of just uh, what your thoughts on because it, it was weird. It was weird to see that for me. I, I think one of the things that brought it down is that nobody believed essentially that Okada was dropping the belt, mm-hmm. and that might that have uh, played into it a little bit. But in terms of the overall action. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't get much better than those two guys in the ring. I mean, they're immaculate. And there, was, there probably were some fans who were disappointed that Okada win because, you know, it's the whole LOL, Okada wins. They're doing the same thing again yeah. with Okada running with the belt. And Saber has been building up a ton of popularity. He's, he's almost slid into that babyface foreigner spot. He's been cutting more Japanese promos. He hasn't been really been cheating as much. He's been more of kind of a wrestling as a tweener. So, so to speak, but then also with these you know Japanese promos, he's been really endearing himself to the crowd. So I think the domestic fan base and the foreign fan base really wanted to see Saber be the champion. There was a sect of the foreign fan base that are pretty rabid that talked themselves into believing that they were going to strap up Zack Saber because uh, there was uh, a report that came out shortly before the the match happened that they were flying in Shibata and that he was going to be ringside for the match. And they're like, Oh, you know, these two guys are supposed to fight because if that was his big return was against, you know, uh-huh. uh, Saber. So what if he wins the title? And then they, they, they like, you know, booked themselves into thinking that this guy who didn't even have a real match in January is going to turn around and challenge for the IWGP world title, you know? So, well, uh, well Shibata, if he's wrestling Saber, he could have exactly. a real match with, with Saber. Not if he can't take a PK or get hit in the head. He can take a PK <laughs> to the chest. So so this man has disappeared. Where where is Shibata? 
He was on his best life in LA. He was on commentary during our best super juniors. Yeah, he was. Well, I think he meant more like, where is he as where it like where is the wrestler as the wrestler? (laughs) You know, I think that's what he more meant. Uh, I think we should think of um, you know any match he has now as like Bret Hart in 2010. You know, (laughs) that shit don't count. <laughs> yeah. uh, but also, is he gonna get, he gonna get DQ or kick too much ass? Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> he can't bump. Okay. They have that man in an elimination match, and you don't want to make him submit. You can't throw him over the top rope. He's got to slap the ref. Uh, also, in April, I mean, a lot of stuff too has been happening here in America with New Japan of America and New Japan Strong. We've been seeing more of these pay per views. So they had a Windy City Riot. In April, which was main evented by John Moxley defeating Will Ospreay, and I believe that's what we went with for the uh, April uh, match of the month. Um, and again, that had another you know screwy Osprey finish with uh, Moxley. You know the ref gets knocked out, gets the bulldog choke in, and Osprey doesn't tap, and that's whole the whole you know crazy shenanigan finish, but. Uh, Essentially, Moxley wins, and there's dispute on the finish to continue to Osprey's claim of New Japan screwing him. But I mean, that was an awesome match, you know, first time matchup, and those guys brawled all over Chicago and just had a, a crazy, uh, bloody, high flying brawl. Um, also on that show, you had uh, Ishii and Suzuki, which was a great match. Um, you had Tom Lawler defending the strong title against Nagata, Jay White defeating Shota Umino. So overall, I mean, the production sucked, but. From a in-ring standpoint, Windy City Riot was a really good show. Yeah. Now, coming out of the tail end of April, we had the Golden Fight Series, which was essentially the road to wrestling Dantaku, which was a little different this year because they held that in the uh, Pepe Dome, formerly known as Fukuoka Dome. So this essentially kind of replaced Dominion as being like the second biggest show of the year. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was he- and it was headlined by Okada and Naito in the you know hat trick match to their trilogy right. because as you recall Naito defeated yeah so um, and they ended up having a really great uh, main event that people really loved um, but the match that stood out was our match of the month for uh, the month of April or of May I be- actually did we not do we haven't done the no, Matt, we'll, we'll be doing officially announcing our match of the month this coming week. But I mean, I think we're pretty much no, in a no. Well, that just means that they have to go listen to Keep It the Strong Style to find out. <laughs> Isn't that right, my brothers? Well, there actually is going to be a debate about this one. But um, the undercard uh, semi-main event was Tanahashi versus Ishii for the U.S. title. Now, how we ended up here essentially, Sonata was the champion. He lost the New Japan Cup match to Will Ospreay in controversial fashion but got his orbital bone broken so they set up a match between Tanahashi and Osprey for the, the US title that was going to occur here but then uh, Will Osprey was unable to compete what what happened with him where he wasn't able to compete I can't remember yeah, he had COVID he got COVID so because of COVID he had to pull out we ended up with Tanahashi versus Ishii on short notice and he also those- said somebody from the IWGP uh, gave him COVID Right, he said something. He said they probably sent somebody over there to give him COVID to keep him off Yo, the show. Fox yeah. die. <laughs> so those boys ended up going out there, putting out you know what is 
currently rated the highest match of the year for New Japan on cage match. And Tanahashi did win the U.S. title on that event. If you haven't seen that match, definitely want to check it out. Um, other notable things that happened on that show, Taiji Shimori unseated Desperado for the uh, junior title. That's pretty significant heading into Super Juniors uh, later in the month. And then Tamatonga, who him and his brother defected or were basically beaten out of both. They were beaten out. They weren't defected. They were I saw out. I saw that ass whooping they caught. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they have joined Hantai. And they're actually on one of, if not the hottest run of their entire career. They've been beloved in Japan, accepted as, you know, white meat baby faces. And uh, Tamatonga defeated Evil for the Never Openweight title. And at the end of that match was attacked by a returning Carl Anderson to set up the match that is forthcoming for this uh, next week's Dominion. So, you know, there's still kind of an ongoing storyline where it's a uh, GOD versus members of the Bullet Club. Yeah, this show was all about rebuilding the Bullet Club. At the end of that U.S. title match, we had rock hard Juice Robinson making his return to the promotion. You know, he he worked us all. He said that he was done. This man sounded depressed. He was going to be a, a, a house husband of Tony Storm. And uh, but lo and behold, he he worked us. He signed a new contract. Showed up at the end of that U.S. title match. Hit the Pope friction on Tanahashi and unmasked. And so he's now rock hard. He's not flamboyant anymore. He's a part of the Bull Club. Um, so we've got that going on as well. Josh mentioned we had Giles and Anderson coming back. So you saw this reload the Bull Club switchblade. Jay White came back at the end of the main event. Attacked Okada. Set up the Dominion main event until the end of the show. You had bull club standing strong. You had everybody holding belts or people getting ready to challenge for belts. So that's the direction we're moving into. Yeah, essentially Don Taku was the last really major main, like, uh, you know, New Japan proper main show before Dominion. Because after that, everything else is essentially U.S. shows or best of the Super Junior Tournament. Um, uh, two weeks after that show, we ended up with uh, Capital Collision from D.C., this was the second really major U.S. New Japan show, which was kind of highlighted by quite a few um, AEW versus New Japan matches, which was significant because just around the same time, Tony Khan had come out and announced on uh, Dynamite that they're going to be doing the Forbidden Door. So we're getting a co-promoted official you know, uh, pay-per-view between both of those companies, AEW and New Japan later in the month of June, which is very exciting. So this was almost kind of like a de facto preview for some of that. But we saw Brody King defeat Minoru Suzuki, Tomohiro Ishii defeat Eddie Kingston in a match of the night contender. Um, Hikaleo and Jay White defeated the cast team of Okada and Rocky Romero. And then in the main event, we had a very, um, very, very good uh, four-way for the U.S. title. We had Juice Robinson returned to action as he defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi, John Moxley, and Will Ospreay to become a, what is it, three-time U.S. champion at this point, yeah, I believe? Yeah, three-time. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, this man went from, uh, I don't even know if I want to wrestle, to being like the number two, you know, title holder in the entire company, essentially. Yeah, and that uh, main event was awesome. Just those four guys worked really well together. Uh, Tanahashi doing a, a high fly floor, high fly flow to the outside. Tamoxi threw a table. 
was pretty crazy. And there's a ton of crazy spots. These guys worked super hard to have a really uh, fun main event here. Uh, Juice cheated to beat Will Ospreay. Uh, he low blowed him, hit the his new finish, but Osprey did have his foot under the ropes. So once again, continuing the storyline that the refs are screwing this man. They they missed his foot under the rope, but Juice got the win. Cut the big promo. He's, he's doing the whole Jericho deal now. He's like, I beat Tanahashi, Will Ospreay, and John Moxley all in the same night. Uh, so he, he he's running all that. So once again, this show also ended with Bull Clubs getting strong, adding another title to their faction. Yeah, the other notable thing about this show is that prior to this, there's been two or three other major U.S. Um, pay-per-views since the pandemic started. And every single New Japan um, pay-per-view that they've done in the last like year has been awful from a production standpoint. There have been just numerous, numerous issues. And that really, um, uh, the Chicago shows where it kind of blew up so much so that they like issued a public apology and said that if you order the DC show, that they would completely fix those issues. They'd offer any refund to anyone that asked for it. And um, true to their word, this show had little to no issues, was very, very high-end production-wise, and is a very good sign for things moving forward if they do continue to do these, you know, U.S. pay-per-views. Is there any, um, like, like business-wise, have we heard, like, how well these shows are doing? Uh, apparently from what we understand, they do do pretty well. Um, firm numbers, I don't know, but ultimately, I mean, I'm always going, I mean, I've gone on rants about this time and time again. I don't think that, um, doing, you know, um, all these periodic U S TV pay-per-views is beneficial to the overall brand because Mm -hmm. they're not, they don't have enough of a, of a television base the way say AEW does to build up anticipation for people to really invest and want to see it. They're more so just buying off of one big match or just the curiosity factor. But I mean, when you compare the numbers to say like an AEW pay-per-view, they're nowhere near that hundred thousand, 200,000, 300,000, you know, buys or anything like that. Um, I think ultimately what they really need to be competitive in this marketplace is, they need a television, um, you know, uh, venue or something because just doing the live touring isn't going to make it. And then just doing the pay-per-views is not enough. Um, and long-term, I think they need to be converting more people to, uh, their streaming service more so than charging 25 you know, bucks a head to do a pay-per-view, you know, six or seven times a year. I don't think that's, uh, uh, prudent business decision for them, especially considering the costs. Yeah, I think they're spreading themselves too thin in the states. They they have a deal with the Roku channel. They're they're back on Access TV, but it's not a great time slot. Uh, they're throwing stuff up on YouTube. They have a partnership with Fight TV now. All the U.S. pay per views are on Fight TV. They're also putting up uh, some like classic matches. I think on Fight TV and some New Japan Strong on Fight TV. Um, so I feel like they're just, they're just trying to throw stuff at a wall and just throw it. Throw it all out here. Here's all the content. Just you know, watch it. Uh, but they need to be really focused on like one big effort instead of trying to do all this stuff at one point at one time. So, like, once we get past, I guess, uh, forbidden door. Do you think, like, like obviously they're doing strong for a reason here? Um, do you? 
Do you think they're trying to get a TV deal off of Strong or off the backs of saying, like, we'll do live television here or we'll do tapings here. We'll bring stars from Japan over here once things get more stabilized, run certain things uh, on these tapings to build towards the, you know, the the Windy City riots, the DC shows, the... Uh, well, I forget what the name of the show was in LA last year, like stuff like that. Do you think that's what they're trying to do? Or am I just imagining that? It's hard to say. I mean, the thing is with strong, it was built out of a, it was never planned for. It was something that was built out of a necessity during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then as situations have changed and rules have expanded and borders have opened, they've kind of rolled with the punches and tried to expand the brand in ways that became viable but I don't think they ever actually intended for this right. to be a separate brand. But now here it is. There have been some really positive things that have come out of it. In it's a good show. Not just that it's a good show, but also the way it's facilitated a lot of people that were out of work during the pandemic to get exposure and get experience and connection to the brand that otherwise wouldn't have had it. And we kind of saw that um, come to fruition during the Best of the Super Juniors tour where there were multiple individuals who – if they had never been involved with Strong, probably never would have actually made it to Japan, but have been able to come over. There have been individuals that have been signed to full-length contracts that are still trying to get over to Japan as well that came through Strong. So it's almost kind of become like a farm league for them uh, of sorts as to whether they... Found money. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know if it's going to expand into... This is going to... I think ultimately, if they get on TV, they still need to present the real product in Mm -hmm. Japan because that's where the money is. Right. But, um, you know, this thing will always kind of exist or I don't know if it always will exist, but it does exist as ancillary, um, you know, product that those who want to, you know, uh, partake in it and watch it, you know, it's there and it's a really good show and it, it serves its purpose. Yeah. Yeah, because even you know they're they're back on Access TV, but they're on Thursdays at ten o'clock after Impact. Right. And their ratings showing, are not good at all. Yeah, ratings have not been great, but they are showing New Japan proper. They're not showing anything from Strong. They're showing it's like that used to be the old, you know, the highlights from the tour, right. big title matches. So, like Josh said, yeah, Strong was something that was born out of the pandemic. When we had Rocky Romero on last, he told us that you know they weren't playing to do Strong. Pandemic happened. They kind of had to escalate that. That was something that was like. What if we did this on a line? And so they had okay. to kind of like elevate that idea, that idea pretty quickly. Uh, and Strong's been very beneficial to New Japan, like Josh mentioned. And I think it's gonna, as long as it keeps going, it's gonna be a great tool to get, you know, essentially a, a tryout camp, a tryout show for. All right, there's foreigners we want to try out. Let's put them on Strong first, build them up there, and then we can send them over to Japan. So coming out of um, all of that we go into the month of May and that was pretty much highlighted by the best of the super juniors tour. Uh, the last two years, the super juniors tour has had to be, uh, it's had to take place during the months of November and December and staple the world tag league as world tag league. Yeah. And in addition to that, there's been no foreigners and they've been single block tournaments. It's just been a completely different vibe than what you traditionally would think of as a best of the super juniors. This year was returned to the original date. It also uh, saw the inclusion of Outsiders for the first time in three years. And um, it was pretty awesome because we saw not only individuals from New Japan of America, New Japan Strong, but also from Impact, CMLL, uh, Ring of Honor, 
AEW late. Uh, the inclusion of any domestic star from Japan as an outsider, that's been countless years since that's happened. So, I mean, even just kind of opening up that door to let other domestic stars from Japan into the tournament, that, that's been very exciting. And um, the field was like literally half New Japan stars and half outsiders, which, you know, a lot of people had questions like, how is this going to work with the politics and all these other champions from the outside? And it was pretty interesting to see how it unfolded. So I, I didn't know, like, uh, I didn't know Shima's official affiliation with Glate, but he's officially considered Glate, not just a, you know, a freelancer. I think that they have, like, uh, I could be incorrect here. I think they have, like, partial ownership. and um, Okay. Like, they're, like, some sort of, like, uh, you know, higher position in the company. Yeah, he has some kind of stakes in the company. And every okay. New Japan appearance he's made and Stronghearts have made, they've announced them as from Glate. Okay. And they, they wear their Glate shirts. Eh? So, yeah, they're definitely uh, representing Glate right now. Okay. Yeah, he's there's definitely been... Well, I was going to say real quick, there's been um, an expansion of not just the U.S. uh, partnerships, but like recently we've seen um, individuals from the New Japan roster work in All Japan and also in NOAA and then also in Glate and then also in Just Tap Out. So there there seems to be a change of uh, just business opinion and how they handle domestic relationships because previously they've been at least for like almost – six or seven years eight years completely exclusionary like we don't play with others and now that's starting to change a little bit i was gonna ask um can you guys like talk about like the uh like kind of like the like what happened with the noah show and new japan show and then kind of in comparison to what you guys are expecting for forbidden door yeah do you want to do that here do you want to say that for towards the end of the show or end of the segment uh, we we might as well. We here now. <laughs> well, well, real quick, how about this? How about this? Let's let's go through best super juniors, and then we'll get to Forbidden Door, and um, and then we'll get to Forbidden Door, and also uh, Dominion. Dominion. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, basically, going through best super juniors, like who were some of the standout matches? What were some of the standout matches and standout performers? I, I know, like. I kept hearing it was Wheeler Yuta, right? <laughs> the biggest star in the business. Wheeler Yuta, right? Uh, Utah had uh, mopped everyone, right? Eleven and zero, right? <laughs> no, you know, it was, Utah's booking was very surprising. You know, as we were previewing this thing and the run that he's been on in AEW with the Blackpool Combat Club, I thought he was going to get that Moxley G one run where he's going to go six straight and then lose his last three and end with twelve and be like, oh no, well he got twelve, but you know he lost in the last night. Well, that was not the case. It was a very parody booking in that B block that he was in. He ate a lot of losses, ending up uh, five and four of 10 points. Um, so it was just kind of surprising the way they booked him. He wasn't booked a super strong megastar like he's booked in AW. Um, <laughs> oh, he, he was booked. I will say this. He was booked as well as any uh, Ring of Honor uh, TV champion is, or Pure Rules champion has ever been in uh, New Japan. What do you, you say, though, when you think of it that yeah, way? Yeah. He was booked very fairly compared to a lot of the, a lot of the champions, like uh, El Lindemann, the G-Rex champion, ended 5-4 also. So a lot of the champions did end with at least 10 points. So he was towards the top of the block um, and booked like and if they had brought in, you know, Jay Lethal from Ring, Ring of Honor, you know, it would probably be very similar booking. 
the, the surprising thing in this tournament was the standout champion, the guy that was pushed probably the hardest and uh, kept alive the longest and maybe even broke out the most out of all the, you know, um, outsiders was Ace Austin from Impact, which he kind of came in with a lot less fanfare, a lot less uh, hype. And I think he proved a lot of the naysayers and doubters wrong and not only showed that uh, he has the goods, he's every bit as good as any other junior uh, probably in the world right now. He also knows how to get over because he like him and uh, Alex Zane, I would say out of everybody that was, that had never been to Japan, uh-huh. they they were the most over in the tournament. I heard particularly about Zane and like, I saw some of his Twitter and like the lines he was having it for merch. I, I thought it was pretty interesting. I mean, Ace yeah. Austin apparently was literally right there with him in terms of like the lines and the mm-hmm. merch and everything like that. Yeah, you, you look in the crowd and you saw people with Zane and Ace Austin signs and shirts. People were buying his glasses that Ace Austin's wearing. It was like heart drip glasses. Like the fans, they were super into both of these guys that are calling them the zest friends because of uh, Alex Zane's love for uh, Taco and Taco Bell and all his moves are. Taco base is finisher as a taco driver. Obsessed <laughs> <laughs> friends. So, so like, okay, so obviously you will people will like them to come back, but it was it just like so much of them going out to eat and being amongst the culture as opposed to just being holed up in their hotel rooms? Do you think that is, or what? Do you, or what do you think it was about them in these particular runs? That was part of it. They definitely embraced the culture where, like, you compare that to a guy like Flip Gordon a few years ago being like, I can't find chicken anywhere in the city. I don't know where to go. And people didn't like that shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Flip that's Gordon cool. doing something unlikable. Yeah. Who could, who could imagine? Yeah. <laughs> Flip, <laughs> so Flip, Gor- Flip Gordon being like, you know, kind of Lewis. like weird to the, being weird to another culture. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked. So that's part of it, but then also it's the way they wrestled. It's something that me and Jeremy have talked about on the show where, like, there's a lot of great juniors in in Japan right now, but outside of, like, Phantasmo and Doki, there's kind of been uh, a lack of the high-flying, you know, exciting, dangerous element, and both of those guys have that in droves and really showcased and highlighted it and took chances and just got over based on the fact of their wrestling style. Plus they have color, colorful personalities, mm-hmm. outlandish characters. They're kind of easy to connect with. So I think that was uh, another major factor for why they got over another ROPW success story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the major story of the tournament though, uh, or one of them was how they, even though he wasn't champion, they did, decided to have El Fantasmo be the main event in almost every single, or if not the majority of the nights. And um, not only was he like booked as the top guy, but he delivered. He was easily the standout guy of the entire tournament in terms of match quality. Is that um, right, Josh? <laughs> what? Is that right? I don't understand what your, what's what, what your smirk is about. Oh, nothing. Nothing at you, all. Because you were a hater of ELP. <laughs> oh, no, no. Did I say... I said Phantasmo? Yeah. Yes. I apologize. I meant El Desperado. Uh, El Desperado was booked as the main event every single night throughout the tournament and was also the main... He was the top performer throughout the entire uh, you know, tournament. Uh, carried mm. his block. Had, gave almost every person he wrestled their best match at the tournament. And was really like the standout guy throughout the entire time. 
And, you know, that culminated with him making it to the finals, you know, uh, against Hiromu Takahashi. But, you know, um, easily the top performer of the tournament. There, bar none, there was nobody that was really close to him. Not even, not even Doki, because I've, I've heard, you know, there were some matches he was having, especially early at the beginning of the tournament. They like, you know, I, I was looking at Jeremy's tweets every so often. I was like, huh, top performer it seems. So Desperado caught up and surpassed. That's interesting. Yeah, the, well, thing, the thing with Doki is he was in a lot of like the openings or ah. the middle of the cards. So he was getting like ten minutes. But right, he's the right, guy right. Who maximized those ten minutes? Like right. he was going boom, boom, boom. I'm gonna jump off, sent off the top. Mm-hmm. You know, suicide dive, suicide spinning DDT. Like he was just he maximized every minute he got, and so that's why he was having really good matches. Had okay. he been in more main events or more semi-main events, he maybe he would have had a better of a tournament and more be more of a standout guy. But he was a really good, um, solid guy. You know, we, we did. You know, you mentioned Phantasmo. He did get a lot of semi-main events and was a featured guy. And was he was in, very good too. Yeah, he was very good. Uh, also, he's super over. Um, he's making this claim he wants to be in the G one. He wants to be a heavyweight now. Um, but he had a really good tournament. Um, he, him, and Robbie Eagles uh, had the best match of yeah. the tournament. Uh, Easily, yeah. Finally, you no. Know, we were looking for something to hit that match of the year level. And that was it. Eagles and Phantasmo. It's on cage match. I think it's right up there with uh, Ishii and Tanahashi wow. that we talked yeah. about earlier. And those would probably be the two main matches that we have to you know, debate over what's going to be the May uh, match of the month. But And I'm very torn on that. I'm not at this point. I don't have a clear indication of which is the better match. I might need to even just rewatch them. That's how. And I mean, that would be really great because they were both outstanding. But the one thing that was interesting with this tournament in the past, We've had uh, Super Juniors where it's like, you know, four and a half star, four and a quarter, four and three quarters, five star, five star. Like, you mm-hmm. know, this this tournament had a, had really, I mean, it was an easy watch. It was really fun, quick format. I mean, there was a lot of great things. But what it didn't have, it didn't have a plethora of over four star matches. It had a lot of four and like four and a quarter ish. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't very, there was literally one great match. It was ELP versus Eagles in the main event in Cork and Hall that blew everything in the tournament away. And then everything else was kind of like really good, but like not quite great, essentially. <laughs> okay. And um, before we depart, can we talk about Yo? Or is that enough? I mean, we, we can talk about three guys that I have no use for in this tournament whatsoever and I'm done with. Okay. Yo, Sho, and Taguchi. Yeah, I mean, we thought in detail on our show. I mean, Yo has just been just awful. It's a business. <laughs> <laughs> this guy comes out here like no fire, no expression, the most boring wrestler ever. And he said it in promos. Like, I know I'm not interesting. I know I'm not interesting. I don't care. What? Like, <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> man. I'm still remember. I'm still thinking back like when Desperado tore him and show a new asshole about how like y'all y'all have been together forever. You're boring. Why are y'all still together? And then they broke up and then they have like, you know, uh, for, for two former long term tag team partners, they have like no heat, no chemistry. They stunk up the dome. Uh, oh, man. Well, they had another terrible terrible match I, this tournament i heard jeremy gave it like what one and a half stars yeah 
literally yeah. every time show and yoga is ready, they stink it up um nope. show just a waste of talent with the whole house of torture Can't. gimmick in this tournament he pretty much turned into what some people are calling uh dark yano he was pretty much a comedy wrestler yeah throughout this tournament dark yano <laughs> Yeah, this the, only, the only positive I, thing about that entire thing with them is when we saw them on the final night against one another, we assumed that it would be some sort of deciding factor match, some sort of nope. really... It wasn't. Neither of them were in play going into the final night, so we were kind of glad for that. Um, now, the last thing with the Super Junior Tournament that we got to talk about, the finals came down to Hiromu Takahashi versus Desperado. And this is the second time that they faced off in the finals. That's the first time in the history of Super Juniors. We've never had two guys face off in the finals against one another in multiple years. And that previous match from two years ago, when they were in the finals, was beloved. People called it, you know, a match of the year contender. I mean, it was really, really highly received. Yeah, the last ten minutes of that match is one of the is one. The last ten minutes of that match is one of the best stretches of wrestling I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it, it in terms of. Um, you know, star making, you know, we hear the term star making. I do believe that that match is what made Desperado the star that he's at, you know, the level he's at today. Mm -hmm. So with those kinds of expectations, plus all the other historical matches they've had against one another, there was kind of a lot to be excited for there. If it, even though it was like, we've seen it before, but here we are, you know? And um, I don't know, man, we haven't given our review on it just yet, but I will say I was not happy with the match. Um, and I was, and people apparently love the match because it's like the second highest rat, highest rated match of the tournament. But I wouldn't concur with that whatsoever. And then they had Hiromu beat Desperado, which was yeah. literally to me a shock because this is third year in a row that this guy's won the tournament. Yep, fourth year out of five. Yep. And the one year he didn't win it, he, his neck was broken, so he couldn't participate in it. And and also, it seems like he's about to go never. Yeah, I mean, they have been teasing him potentially going heavyweight. He's been in New Japan Cups. He's been having never towel shots. He, he faced evil earlier on in the year. So the, he has been kind of teetering that line. His whole thing, he wants junior, He wants a junior title to have a main event at the Tokyo Dome at some point. Um, so good luck with that. Um, but I agree with Josh. The, the finals of the tournament was a little bit lackluster for me. Um, it was a match, a big rematch that was built up. We're in Budokan Hall. I mean, overall, that final show was just kind of, it's kind of mid. You didn't, there wasn't a ton of angles that happened on that show. There wasn't a ton of singles matches or anything. You know, I think back a couple of years ago, we had John Moxley and Juice Robinson yep. on the undercard of that show. I think you also had like Jay White and Tanahashi, which led to Osprey and Chingo. And so on this show, there's a bunch of, you know, just multi man matches setting up Dominion, but. Not a ton of a lot of interesting stuff, and you get to the finals, and you're. We did have Ace Austin defect from Hantai and join the Bullet Club. Yeah. Okay. Which, you know, to me is very questionable because it's like, okay, he's a clear. I mean, he's going to come back to Japan, it seems, but he's clearly an Impact guy. Mm -hmm. and so they got like two Impact Juniors now. <laughs> yeah, they've got two Impact him Juniors and Bay, in yeah. the Bullet Club. Which means I think they're trying to expand that brand into Impact, but like there's so many guys in Bullet Club now, it's becoming a little bloated for my taste. And historically speaking, I don't have faith in them booking a large Bullet Club competently. Like they haven't shown that they can do that. And so for people that love Bullet Club, they're probably very excited for this. But for me, it's like this is the ninth year of Bullet Club. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know about that one. 
Yeah, especially with Ace Austin doing a great job. I know he's a heel in Impact, but he got over so big as a babyface in Japan and without saying, like, I thought that they should have kept those guys on the team and brought them in for Junior Tag League and then do some more junior stuff with them. But um, turn him heel. And Maybe they think they can re- recreate the Bucks. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, Zane's not turning late because he, he jumped Zane backstage. The whole Bullet Club beat down Zane. So I'll say we'll, we'll probably get another future uh, uh, Zane and Ace Austin match. Um Oh, you mean oh, Chris Bay and Ace Austin being yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> uh, But yeah, the, the final match with Hiromu and Desperado, uh, it was a long match. It was, you know, I think it was over 30 minutes. And yeah, I don't know. It was, it was too much uh, limb work for me. It was almost like, almost like, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes of like Desperado working on Hiromu's leg. Uh, Hiromu trying to have to come back, getting some hope spots, working on Desperado's neck, and then the last stretch of the match is when they do all the crazy near falls and kickouts and kicking out the finishers. And the last stretch was awesome ending, but everything before that, it was it felt like a slog. You know what? Should have tried to LPW. Yes, they should have. They kicked out of each other's super finishers, and it didn't feel like a match where they should be kicking out of each other's super finishers. That was my other big critique, but. I agree. There was too much limb work for me. Well, the point there's of super finisher is that no one kicks me. out of it. Yeah, that's it. But like, if there's too much limb work for me, there's too much limb work. That sounds like so. Wow, I hate. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> yeah, especially after we had such a good tournament. Like tournament, like Josh mentioned, we had a lot of you know three and a half, three and three quarters, four star matches. Very fun tournament, new faces, exciting matchups, and then. You get to this big final that, you know, is supposed to be the big rematch, big hyped up thing. And then it just, to me, it, it kind of fell flat. Um, and like Josh mentioned, Hiromu won again. And it's like, Desperado's a guy who they were clearly building in the B block, getting all these main events. He's clearly a guy that they're investing in and want to be another face of the division so they don't have to just rely on Hiromu. And I felt like this was a chance to kind of capitalize on that, have him get the win back and win the Super Juniors and then go on to get the junior title back. But to go back to Hiromu, um, it just kind of keeps the division exactly where it's at. And I get Hiromu is probably their biggest draw. He's a top star. But um, at some point, Hiromu's not going to be there. And you got to start building new stars in that division. You got to do some new, interesting stuff with the junior division. Yeah, I don't think it was beneficial to Kota Ibushi to have him go into the G1 finals that many times and win it that many times. And I don't think it's a, uh, beneficial to Romu or the brand here either. Um, you know, I heard Dave on Observer Radio this week talk about how he heard so much complaint about this outcome and people didn't get it. But my retort to that is if you're hearing this much complaint about it, then it's probably not the right decision to make because. People wouldn't be this this mad and this outraged about it if it was the right direction to go. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So yeah, I mean, I I think personally because I was you know, like you mentioned with the never with the never challenges, even when he had the the IWGP challenge against Evil, it seems like he's been gearing to go towards a never type situation. And if like if this was his last best Super Juniors, I'm fine with that. But if he's in it next year, he'd be like, Nah, man, y'all shouldn't have done this. So we'll see, we'll see where it, we'll see where it goes. Um, I feel like, like this is the last hurrah for him. Like by yeah. the like he'll have his farewell at the dome and put over whoever Desperado presumably. Yeah. So 
Well, I mean, from a certain standpoint, it gives him a, a, an earmark from his a historical standpoint that no one else will ever surpass. You know, he did it three times. He did it, you know, I mean, four times, which nobody's ever done. So. Maybe. Liger may retire, so who knows? <laughs> but, um, you know, ultimately for such a, a, a hyped match, it, it, not only did the outcome disappoint, but the match itself disappointed, which these guys rarely ever do that. So that, that was, uh, you know, not the best. Okay, so um, I guess looking forward to Dominion just going down the card. Um, Okada, Jay White, you mentioned the the beatdown. Is there has there been anything else to it? I'm assuming they've had like seven uh, tags on Road Two by now, right? No, there have well, been had, almost no Road Twos. Oh, yeah, wow. so they had they had a tag match at Capital Collision in DC, and mm-hmm. then there was a tag match. Um, was there another tag match? Yeah, there was a tag match on these the Super Junior Finals show. Okay. Yeah. So there there have been very limited interactions between them. All the same, I still think that this is one of the most hyped matches uh, for this iteration of Okada's title reign. Um, just because Jay White's been gone from Japan for so long, hasn't had a true major match in a while. And this is the first time these two guys have um, had a world title match going back to Madison Square, Square Garden. So, yeah. you know, their careers have kind of changed quite a bit. Their characters have gone through different story arcs. You know, we've got an entirely different title at this point. And, um, you know, I do anticipate that Okada's going to retain. However, if so they rank the threat meter, what, what's the threat meter look like on this? I, I think that he poses the the most likely of all the challengers so far at being capable of winning the title going in, you know, prior to the G1 and prior to Forbidden Door because, you know, Jay White is a star in the States and he is a guy that could, you know, create new narratives by winning that belt, carrying it into the G1. So mm-hmm. I would say I would go like 765-45. Okay. Do you think that that is the biggest threat uh, between Okada and getting to another dome main event for the title to defend the title? Do you I think he'll face so. a bigger uh, threat than 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 uh, White for the rest of the year? No. Yeah, I, I can't I think, think of anybody that would that would pose a bigger threat. And with Jay White being, you know, one of the faces of the Forbidden Door promotion, you know, he's all over that commercial. He made the announcement with Adam Cole. It would make a ton of sense if they wanted to do, you know, Jay White versus John Moxley or Forbidden Door. Or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. And then at that point you have Okada as kind of not the up. champion. And that kind of frees up the possibility of him wrestling other people in mm-hmm. less political influenced matches if the title's not on him. Plus, that could create a scenario where he's a viable G one winner again if they needed to do that as well. Yeah, like you know, we 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 put a, we put a in four straights, so and now we're about to pack this shit in with Okada in the G one. They easily could do that. Yeah, so, they could. Um, you know, that's a pretty um, plus. Every time they these two guys wrestle, you know, um, the matches are usually phenomenal. So there's yeah, I mean, that I, excitement factor as well. Yeah, I wasn't crazy for their Wrestle Kingdom match. Whenever how many years that was ago, but like their their uh, Madison Garden match made up for it for me. So. Um, you know, like 
Jay White's at his best when he's in the spoiler role. Like, if he's in a regular match, his matches are not nearly as good as they are when he's like, oh my god, this dude can ruin everything. <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, uh, that's definitely a great place to put him. Uh, triple threat match for the United States uh, title. Um, Sonata, back, Juice, and Will Ospreay. Um, now, th- there's some issues with this matchup. So, the, the red belt has been cursed uh, hey, for a long time hey, now. Hey, this One Nation Radio. There's only one red belt, brother. <laughs> All right. <laughs> excuse me. Tell my Shuri. The United States IWGP title has been cursed. Uh, so, Juice Robinson had appendicitis this weekend. He got pulled oh, from the junior finals. Um, and then Will Ospreay, he's been dealing with a kidney infection. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like at least Osprey will be able to go. I don't know about Juice. I mean, because if he had he had surgery, I don't think he's going to make it for this matchup. So it, it might end up being vacated and just be straight up Sonata and Osprey. Or they're not going to do an interim title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, you yeah. <laughs> see. <laughs> It's interesting that, like, you know, I, I don't mind the interim thing. We'll get to it, but like, um, yeah, I, we'll see. Like you mentioned, I guess to be determined. So, you know, we'll figure that out. I'm assuming as we get more time, like, we we probably have to know by you know by the time we get to you know either our recording or your recording this week. Yeah. Um. So never openweight uh, championship match: Tomatonga versus uh, Carl Anderson. Should be a good match. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the build? Is it just playing off of, you know, the betrayal from getting to, uh, thrown out of Bullet Club to now? Yeah, so okay. like I mentioned, yeah, Tim Tonga, Tangaloa, they've been got booted out of Bullet Club, and they've been feuding. Them and Jado have been feuding against uh, Bullet Club. And like Josh mentioned earlier, the crowd has been really into this feud, like clapping. I know it's just clapping, but, like, you can tell by the clapping. It's because their face. Like, it's they're hot. really emotionally invested in G.O.D. and Jado and them teaming up with Tanahashi to fight off against Bullet Club. So there's been a lot of build-up with that. And then you had Anderson and Gals attacking Tamatonga after the matchup. Um, and so obviously, you know, Carl Anderson handed over the gun stun to Tamatonga. He handed over the magic killer to him and Tangaloa. There's a lot of connection between the Good Brothers and Girls of Destiny. And once Carl Anderson left the WWE, Tamatonga kind of became that quote-unquote kind of general role in Bull Club and was supposed to be a kind of a second-in-command to whoever the leader was. And so there's so much history between those guys and how they came up and being in Bull Club and for Anderson to betray him. Um, you know, Josh and I were in L.A. last August for a surgeons where we had the first kind of interaction in New Japan of G.O.D. and Good Brothers, and there was a lot of heat uh, when those guys came face-to-face. So from a domestic and... Um, U.S. standpoint, there's a lot of interest in seeing these individuals mix it up. Well, let's just yeah. say Carl Anderson in New Japan is like that's that's where he belongs. Like yeah. that's where he's he's the yeah. best, and at. he's not and he's not and he's always solid wherever he is. But you know he's off this stuff with Gallows, who's you know whatever. But like yes, as you mentioned, he's just he's that man is that man is a better wrestler in Japan. <laughs> yeah, and there's more to it than just all of that. I mean, this is an angle that these guys have been working on since the early days of the pandemic on social media, where they really started digging into one another and kind of setting the framework for this. 
uh, all the history that Jeremy mentioned, plus all the groundwork they laid in Impact, where mm. these teams were feuding with one another and facing off the multi-man matches, cutting promos. So there, there's been a lot there. And then obviously with this new lease on life that Tamatanga's gotten as a babyface and uh, coming out of last year's G1 where like he sort of became like a made man. He finally he defeated Okada in singles action and all that. And now he's carrying his first ever singles title. And then here comes Carl Anderson, his senpai, the guy that he used to be a young, you know, a young boy for. He used to carry his bags and he's showing back up and like Carl Anderson in New Japan is not Carl Anderson anywhere else. This is a guy who (laughs) really cares. And so this could be bad based on the like historical reputation of these guys. But if they're motivated and they really go out there and they like try, this might like over exceed people's expect, you know, expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's something I'm gonna look forward to. Uh, the continuing feud uh, it has been successful, like as a mid card feud. Shingo Takagi versus Taichi, no time limit. King of Pro Wrestling. This is the best King of Pro Wrestling feud ever, right? Yeah, easily, yeah. Yeah. easily. And the, and the matches, like uh, you know, not just the the one match they had for the title, but also the tag matches in the build to it have been really, really good. Um. This is something I'm actually very much looking forward to. I don't know what the stipulation is just yet, but, uh, you know. Yeah. It, I mean, so far it just says no time limit, but who knows what else they're going to attack onto it. Right. Yeah. They'll, they'll throw out some voting this week. Um, you know, normally they have each guy pick a stipulation and they throw out there for voting. And so, yeah. I mean, they've still been playing off the multiple falls thing. These guys have been trying to prove yeah. who could hold each other down the most. So I don't so, know. If gonna get- so the last match was to 30, right? For yeah. one of them. Oh no no no! It was yeah all the way. Yeah, yeah, and then the other one was what uh to two to a two count right? Like the no. other option was to go to a two count right? No, it was no. um like a two out of three falls kind of. Okay, thing. it was something that didn't end up happening, so I don't recall. Anymore. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I was wondering if they like they went they did that one. And, like the second one is like we're gonna do the other one now. Uh, we'll see, but we'll see. Well, they have both pinned each other in uh, segments for five or six counts to try and outdo one another recently. So I'm guessing that that will have something to play into it. Like they might just do a straight up like a King Kong Bundy match, a six count match. You have to like pin the guy for six seconds type of thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then, you know, uh, the AEW interim championship eliminator match, the other half of uh, the final four, Hiroki Goto versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, I, I guess I guess my question for you too is, what if Hiroki Goto shoots? <laughs> um, I, I think I think Ace got enough in him to you know handle himself if that happens. <laughs> well, that's the thing about a shoot. Like, if you don't know what is coming, like, who are you gonna be prepared for and ready? You know, get caught and then you get pinned, and then that's got, it. And he got to fire Goto. <laughs> I, I'm into this. Uh, for, for a, you know, I was clowning, uh, saying basically Goto gets his chance to fail for the AEW championship now, thus adding to the prestige of the AEW championship. You um, know, you know, it's a great title if Ishii and Goto can't win it. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> like, do you smell that? Do you see these two losers? That's prestige. Yes. 
I'm I'm wondering if this match will count towards their AEW records. I don't know. Uh, it, it will be really interesting uh, to see if that's the case. But uh, I'm looking forward to this. I don't think it should because it's not being, um, you know, it, it's not being promoted by them. It's in conjunction with them. It's still under the banner of New Japan. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what they do as far as that. Like, I mean, it, it doesn't matter one way or the other. Though. It, 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 we'll see how they do that as far as the, the I, I do expect this rankings. personally. I expect this to be the semi-main event, honestly. Yeah, I'm looking Ooh. at Cage Match, and it's listed as a semi-main event right now. It could be, especially if the uh, the Triple Threat USA belt uh, match ends up falling through. I could see them just putting it right there. I mean, can't. I mean, there are worse things than semi-main event with Hiroshi Tanahashi. Right. I mean, Tanahashi and Goto, they've done this song and dance so many times. I'm sure the match will be good. Uh, nobody's under any illusions that Tanahashi's not. Oh, winning. we know what this is. Come on now. But, uh, <laughs> the only thing that makes me nervous about it is Tanahashi has been inconsistent this year. Um, like like I mentioned, like he had that really great match with Ishii. Mm-hmm. But there have been other times where he's gone out there and he looks really hurt, really banged up, and like not moving right. And... I'm like, dang, if he goes out there and kills it with, with Goto, and then two weeks later, is he going to really be ready to, like, you know, yuck it up with Mox? Like, they should, if they're smart here, he should just beat Goto pretty easily in, like, a sub-15 minute match, and he shouldn't try that hard. I I think two weeks is more than enough time, and also, you can also keep in mind, like, the kind of match um, he would have with what you imagine a match with Moxley will look like and a match with Goto will look like. These are going to be more of the more physical, less of a toll on his knees type of matches, less less flying, less running. By flying, I mean like doing a high fly flow to the floor. Maybe he might pull out that kind of stop against oh, he's um, doing it. Moxley. I guess Moxley, he'll pull that out, but I don't know if he needs, I don't even necessarily need to do that against Goto. So I, I think, I think, he'll, I think he'll have something so he's to probably going to do it there too. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right because he does like pulling it out every. Yeah, and, okay. I and, and here's you're the right. thing: is like just from a recent historic standpoint, two weeks has not been enough for him to recover and have a great match. Wow. Like for instance, when he fought Ishii, he looked amazing. When he went to Chicago and had the four way, he looked super rough. But that's also happening. Yes, that's true. That's true. I and mean, and we saw something very similar to this. Uh, between the two Kenta matches in January and, and December, then the December match, he didn't look good. In the January match, he looked great. Like, he's just it, lately, like, it's been harder for him to, like, recover for whatever reason. So I am a little nervous about that. I think it'll be a good enough match. And we all know um, Tanahashi is going to win to go on to face John Moxley, yeah. which is a match that. Has been being built up for a while now. You know they initially teased 2020, it. right? Yeah, I mean because John Mox has been calling out Tanahashi. They seemed like they were building for 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 resurgence, but then uh, Archer got the belt from Mox, and they did Archer and Tanahashi. Um, and so yeah, t- this and we had Moxie coming on Dynamite cutting the promos about uh, Tanahashi ducking him. So this whole thing has been going for a while now. And at the end of when he see a ride, he had called him out for the DC show, but then we're getting the four way in DC instead of a one-on-one match. So finally we're going to get the, the big uh, one-on-one match here. Yep. And um, tag title matches, Owens and Fale versus Ocon and Cobb. Do we smell a title change here? I don't know. I don't even know that it matters really. 
I think so. Since since we had Cobb and Ocon make the run in on Dynamite um, a couple of weeks ago in the R Waste title match, I think Con Ocon with the belts back, and then we'll see some kind of belt title match or champ versus champ against FTR. Yeah, because I got to say, bad luck for laying Chase Owens on on uh, Forbidden Door does not sound like any kind of match I want to watch. <laughs> well, the other thing too with that is I don't know how many of these you know titles and champions will realistically even be coming over. You know what I mean? I, I would say flip it up just to give them more options <laughs> to match me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, nah, man, it, we, you make it too hard. Like, like, keep like eye out, like in both promotions, really, like you know, a lot of title changes happening to create booking protection for people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. The never match. Uh, <laughs> Dar- <laughs> uh, uh, the, the never match. Obviously, you have uh, uh, what's it called? The uh, House of Torture versus uh, Suzuki Goon, Zack Saber, Desperado, and, and Kanemaru. Uh, should be a decent match. Well, then again, it's I forgot what it's I was House saying. It's House of Torture. It'll be bad. Moving I, on. I, I will House say of- this. Yeah. When House of Torture, when all of them are involved in our legal participants in the match, it is better than when it's one of them and the rest of them are out there interfering. So Dick Togo <laughs> will not be here for that. Uh, no, no, he'll be there, but like when when they're just kept to a very uh, short amount of time and kind uh, of put in a chaotic environment where less like, time they can't cheat as hard. Gotcha. Yeah, but also the cheating doesn't really matter as much because it's the never six man titles. It's at the bottom of the card. It really has no major stakes, and everyone. And then also they're fighting. They're fighting other heels. Like they're probably going to be using Centauri whiskey on the other side. Like it's it's just going to be like a whatever fun you know match. It's not fun would not be the word for me, but okay. (laughs) Well, you know what? I will say this: their matches in the never six man tag division have been fun. Like they've been not you know not bad at all. Uh, it's not like when, you know, it's show or evil at the top of a division and it's soul crushing. It's not like that. Mm. Okay. Uh, next match after this, we're, I'm, Yano versus Doc Gallows. Let's move on. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> Yo, that, keep that, is, that is horrendous. Um, trios match. Ishimori, Ace Austin, and El Phantasmo versus Tanahashi, Naito, and I'm sorry, Takahashi, Hiromu, um, Naito, and Bushi. Um, I'm is is this a potential number one contendership for the Never Three uh, Trip Trio no. match? What do you think this no. is? No, it, it's a preview match for the Junior Belt. Okay. Yeah. So on New Japan Road the next week, there's going to be um, Ishimori defending against Hiromu. But also another story here is ELP has been campaigning for the G1 on the Super Junior Finals. He did pin Aaron Hanare in a multi-man match. So be on the lookout. If he pins Naito, that's ELP. His way in. Yeah. The other thing, too. And then um, he'll be in the same block as Naito, and Naito will promptly get that win back. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Plus, it'll be the debut of Ace Austin as a member of Bull Club proper. So there's that. And then... You know, Naito was out with an injury and has just recently returned kind of quietly. And, you know, people had questions about whether he was going to be able to make the Forbidden Door or not. I think it's pretty obvious now that he's competing again that that is a viable, you know, it's a possibility. So, you know, I I was thinking it wasn't, but it seems to be the case now. And the in you know, the last match, Tenzan, Wato, and Taguchi versus uh, Nare. 
uh, Akira and uh, TJP. I I heard some good things about Akira at least at the start. How did he? How did how did his tournament go overall? I say? love Francisco Akira. This guy, he's an RLPWer, uh, Spitfire dude. This guy is flying all over the place. He's doing Asai moon salts every night. Um, he's on the crowd into uh, chanting his name. He has the the, the uh, Kira. Uh, Kira okay. the crowd uh, claps along that. So he got super over. He had a lot of really fun matchups. I love this matchup with Hiromu. Um, and so I think he's going to be a great fit for the junior division. And uh, it seems like him and TJP are going to be a team. They're going to be challenging for um, Wato and Taguchi's junior tag titles. The other Korkin show uh, following Dominion. Um, so yeah, he's a great addition to the division. Yeah, and there's kind of a parallel there between uh, the team of Taguchi and Wato and TJP and Francesco Akira, both of them kind of have like senior members that are like more seasoned and, you know, uh, more experienced when it comes to like competing in New Japan and then kind of taking these younger, less experienced guys under their wings to kind of, you know, guide them. And so you kind of have the good and the bad when it comes to that. Um, TJP is another guy who had an incredible Super Juniors and didn't get enough. I mean, on our show, he definitely got the praise, but we didn't hear a lot of that noise, you know, on in the different corners of like social media, but he's a guy that was super impressive. And as good as Francesco Akira's tournament was, I would say TJP's was even better. Um, and I think that the, that team United empire is a team that kind of needs some big gold wins like that. So I, I would expect them to kind of unseat six or nine coming up here in the near future for those junior titles. Okay. Um, I guess now we move on to, the Forbidden Door talk. Now, Rich, what was your question from earlier in the show? So, um, I wanted you guys to like to kind of talk about like the uh, like how the the reception to the Noah show and kind of like what you're expecting in comparison to Forbidden Door. Well, one thing I want to say before that, I I am very disappointed that they're not having the um, Ishimori versus Hiromu match on this Dominion card. I think that that's uh, kind of breaking with tradition and kind of disappointing, uh, but. You know, Rich, you had mentioned that maybe Hiromu winning the title has something to do with the Forbidden Door, him kind of coming in as a recognizable champion as opposed to Desperado. Yeah. So, um, as far as it goes, when it comparing the Noah show to AEW, I think the biggest difference is that AEW, when it comes to um, how they're viewed compared to New Japan, obviously, like in an unbiased opinion, they're the bigger company right now. Um, but they are obviously based in different marketplaces, so they hold leverage in different ways. With that being the case, they're kind of com- uh, contemporaries of one another. Whereas with Noah and New Japan, they're not necessarily contemporaries. They're competitors in the same market, and New Japan holds all the cards in that situation. And then now, just six months later, it's swung even more more so that you know like noah has kind of gone down in a lot of ways and new japan is sort of on the upswing you know with some of the things that are occurring right now so better um, attendances yeah of late yeah yeah and then you know just a lot of the changes that are taking place are all positive signs so when it comes to the way this show is being handled i assume that the management the bookers, they're going to be working hand in hand to make sure that everybody's interests are protected and that, you know, nobody's embarrassed and that everybody's, you know, kind of presented in a positive manner. I wouldn't be surprised if ultimately, however, the show shakes out, 
it's not unlike that Starcade 95 show where it's 50-50, but maybe AEW being the bigger company and it being them being the hosts, they get that one match edge over New Japan. And then mm-hmm. possibly when they go back to Japan and do something similar, I would expect something similar like that to happen mm-hmm. yeah. on their end. Um, that's that's what, what I was happened. suspecting all along. Yeah. And that's not what happened with the Noah show. Like no. the New Japan Noah show, New Japan like ate them up. And even though like, um, you know, Noah got some wins, it was like all very po- po- politically like based. They only like uh, had guys like, you know, that either were somewhat connected to or previously connected to New Japan, like get those wins. It was all very, you know, it, it, they, they ate up Noah basically. And they also didn't give anybody there was only two matches at the top that mattered, and the rest of the matches were really disappointing for international fans that were tuning in. Like we didn't get very many dream matches. Um, it was all just multi-man matches, which I don't think we're getting that kind of setup for you know for the upcoming show. I mean, yeah, I think, I, I think maybe for like half of the card, but I think there will be you know, given you know where we were headed before CM Punk hurt whatever he hurt on him. It seemed like we were headed to, we already had one more way bigger major singles match than we were ever getting out of uh, night three of Russell Kingdom. Right. It's a very good sign that we're going to get a AEW title match. And so clearly what we said, it's going to be Tanahashi and Moxley. So that's a really big match. And the fact that we're going to have technically the interim AEW title on the line, mm-hmm. we're going to get some bigger matches. We're probably going to get the winner of Okada Jay White defending against somebody and I'm sure we'll see some of the other AW and IWGP championships offended on the night too. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for it, man. I think this is a uh, is a big show in like the history of this country. Um, as far as like you know, there's not too many like things that you can think of. Obviously, with you know, aside from like the early '90s at this point, like um, I'm talking like you know, WCW and Starcade, like in like 1991 and stuff like that. And uh, 95 and um, that this isn't something WWE really did or anything like that. So um, it's already done great, you know, ticket business. I, I'm interested to see what, what the pay-per-view numbers look like. Um, Same. I think that it has a chance to do pretty well. I think, uh, do you guys expect anyone from AEW to show up at Dominion? anytime because like one thing i talked about on one nation radio is like wanting the build or you know because i i know after dominion we're probably just going to get you know the big the hey here are all the matches whatever but um i wanted to see people show up in japan too i wouldn't be surprised if i mean they would be very smart if they did that because that will create buzz and and hype for the show which is in my opinion somewhat missing I mean, they, they've created some of it initially, and then it's kind of dwindled as both companies have focused on their own business. Now we're kind of coming down to the wire. They tried to kickstart things last week, and then with Punk getting injured, it kind of threw things haywire. They're desperately in need of promoting this both on both sides much more so, and they haven't really started that yet. So yeah. hope, hopefully this week, I don't know who, but maybe some of those guys do show up um, I'm assuming, like, let's say hypothetically, Okada wins, mm-hmm. and then whoever's challenging him walks out. Walks out. Whoever that is, that that's probably the key thing to look for here. Yeah, I think uh, it'd be cool to see a Chris Jericho appearance. He's had a history of you know just popping out of nowhere in New Japan and attacking somebody. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw you know the Painmaker, the Wizard, 
Yeah, the, the wizard, you know, shoot a fireball on somebody. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Because, um, like, there was a report which later got kind of retracted. It was about Okada and Hangman Page. Yeah. For me, that would have been a perfect kind of match uh, because Hangman's kind of coming down the mountain a little bit, you know. I, but that one's canceled. Uh, there is going to be, like, a Battle Royal Wednesday. Uh, that person will take on Moxley. So maybe there's a situation where that person, their battle royal, they, instead they're the New Japan opponent, something like that. If it was me and I was booking that, I would have somebody, I don't know who specifically, but someone from New Japan that could eat a loss to Moxley, win the battle royal, mm-hmm. and then lose to John Moxley on the same show to like add a little bit more credibility and excitement for the upcoming match, you know? So Rocky Romero? I don't I wouldn't say him no. I would send someone from Japan to do that. Um, you know, normally I'd say Goto. Goto be like maybe Ishii. How many losses do you want this man to eat in a week? You want him to lose to Tanahashi, win the battle royal, lose to Moxley. God damn! <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to you want to martyr this man for this interim fucking belt? <laughs> Ishii is not all Dominion, so Ishii could be a good call. I think Ishii could be. Ishii's probably probably on you, the show next week. If you I you have him come in as a surprise entrant, win the Royal Rumble or whatever Battle Royal, and then he wrestles John Moxley, and we know how good that their history is with one another. Yep. That match could probably rule. Could, and then would. that's like, oh man, he went through Ishii. Now he's got Tanahashi in front of him. That would be something pretty cool. But, but what if Mox doesn't make the twenty count after he gets put through a table from Air Ishii? Well, <laughs> then we're gonna get uh, Tanahashi versus Ishii too, which I'm looking very much forward to. I can't wait for I can't wait for uh, for Ishii to win the battle royal so that I can hear so I can like see the text from Rich and voice messages as his man Rusa gets John Moxley throughout the rest of the night. I can yes. I can already see it. Yes, I will be full Homer mode for Ishii. <laughs> oh, oh man. Well, I mean, um, if there's anything else y'all want to mention, I think this is really good. Like we, I mean, we say we're gonna do this in an hour. We pretty much did it in, in an hour and thirty minutes, considering we went through basically recapping a half a year of pro wrestling for promotion, and then covering two next upcoming events. I think we did pretty damn good. Yeah, we yeah, this is way better than me trying to talk with him about one episode of Dynamite. Way better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I I don't have anything else to add. Jeremy, you know, he handles all of our promo and plugs and everything. So thank you guys for uh, having us on the show and, uh, you know, the return of Two Nation Radio. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes inside the thing, Two Nation Radio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You had to be there. You had to be there. But yeah, I mean, I think this pretty much wraps it up. Uh, you know, we'll be by time. I don't know when this is coming out, but you know, we'll be doing our full review of the Super Junior Finals and preview for Dominion coming up. Uh, we're going to be uh, hopefully scheduling something with uh, Floyd and Austin for um, forbidden door coverage. So do some AW, uh, keeping a strong style connection there. And also, you know, all sites are towards the G1. I was very optimistic for Super Juniors, getting a lot of foreigners in here. So G1, hopefully we're, we're getting a lot of AW guys, uh, maybe for Impact. You know, Josh, Josh Alexander could come over and uh, really uh, mix some things up here. All right. Uh, so, guys, Twitter handles, that sort of thing before you get out of here? Yep. 
So you guys can follow the show at KI Strong Style. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. Also follow at Social Suplex, the network hosting all these shows. And so listen to our show. We uh, record every Tuesday night, drop late Tuesday night, early uh, Wednesday. So check that out and subscribe. All right. Thank you, guys. That was great. And I'll drop my plugs here, and I'm just going to get off air right now. Thanks for listening, y'all. Uh, be sure to race on whatever app you're using to listen to this. Thanks for listening. Um, if you're listening from the stream, uh, go to the PayPal, go to the Cash App, hit us up with donations there. If you're listening on the podcast, go to our Red Circle, drop us up a donation there. And be sure to listen to other shows on the network besides One Nation Radio. You have Keeping the Strong Style, the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show, Grown and Watch This Shit, uh, The Grave Consequences, 8-Bit Suplex, All Things Elite, Great Mass Generator, Get in the Ring, uh, well, uh, meet the Sam- Slam Press, meet the Press Slam, <laughs> and also uh, AW Match Guy. Thanks for listening, y'all. Later.